0: Welcome back everyone to another installment of Screenplay Rewind. I'm Jeff. I'm Ron. And this shit's gonna get weird because this movie's fucking weird. (laughs) It's so weird and I can't wait to talk about it. You wanna know some fucking Jeff catnip
1: anthology movies, bro? Always love me some anthology movies. Southbound was a fucking win in the Jeff column. I'm still deliberating Buster Scruggs <laughs> as you should. <laughs> that
0: means Buster Scruggs did its fucking job. <laughs> uh yeah. But that's the thing
1: is maybe you don't like one of them, but they have multiple in the pipeline, you know, you never know. I definitely never have know. a favorite and I've got some new quotes that I'm going to be using in my streams. <laughs>
0: Pan shot. <laughs> How, tell me you didn't want to just immediately go fucking play PUBG as soon as that's, that scene happened. Because exactly, I know what I wanted to do.
1: That's exactly what I wanted to do. Fucking mesmerizingly good. It's it's
0: just chef's <laughs> kiss of a thing. And, it, and the fact that it's Steven Root makes it even fucking better. But yeah, spoilers for Ballad of Buster's Rugs. Bobby... <laughs> getting that out of the way weird now like we did like two episodes with questions and now i like don't know how to start the show because i got <laughs> used to doing q a's first so people email us screenplayrewind.gmail.com email us questions those are always fun i uh, was just telling ron uh, before we started recording i went back and listen to our last q a section don't remember any of the shit i said it was basically a q a experience
1: for me as well i was like i don't remember saying that even uh, back in the day, on our um, on back on uh, there will be expletives. I as soon as the recording stops, I'm just like I have no idea what happened the last hour. <laughs>
0: is that how you are with your streams?
1: Like a lot of the time, just, yeah. Is it just random conscious thought as it's happening? So the good thing about a super small Twitch community. Is um, you get a lot of interaction from the people that show up, and the people that show up are the same, a lot of the same people, so you really get to know them. But a lot of the bad stuff is if those people are doing something else while your stream is on, you're just vamping the entire time. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh. I, I do so much vamping that half the time I don't even know what I said. Like, people keep adding quotes, and when they recall the quotes, I'm like, I do not remember what that is in reference to or anything, but it sounds awful.
0: The quotes in your catalog on your channel are even more bizarre and fucked up than Ballad of Buster's trucks. <laughs> I'm like, who the fuck uttered that? They're so like out there and weird. Like, I immediately
1: think, did I say this? <laughs> Someone tried to attribute something to me when I said it the other day, and it was actually a Bloodborne quote, and I was like, Uh-oh. no, that one's not me.
0: Yeah. yeah I, I it said you, uh, it, but it
1: wasn't me. Gotta give it
0: all from congrats to them on 10 years of oh, Dark Souls, dude, by the I way. Know. That's fucking... I mean, first
1: of all, uh, fuck
0: me, because I'm old as fuck, but that's a cool milestone. Uh, and just, like, crazy that that game is now a decade old. And you know, it, it started an entire my...
1: cottage industry... Yeah, it has been going and, for ten years,
0: and might have doomed video games for thirty years beyond it. Because <laughs> uh, Dark Souls is great, some of the things Dark Souls has done to video games not so great. Get but good, that is a topic Yeah, let's just talk about. Oh uh, yeah, fuck the movie. Let's talk about Dark Souls right <laughs> now. Yeah, this is so on So we a got Bloodborne in. We got Bloodborne in there. That little Dark Souls. That's two. That's two shots in the Bobby drinking game. Bobby will be dead by the end of this, because I'll find a way to shoehorn in all of the drinking game. Uh, Screenplay rewind, bingo. You know, see see how it goes.
1: The free space is just an Estes flask. No, it's a bonfire. The free space is a bonfire. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Uh, We got uh,
0: spoilers uh, out of the way. Spoilers for Ballad of Buster Scruggs. This is a, I believe, Netflix original, so I believe it's only accessible there unless you... I I imagine they have it purchasable on like blu-ray and shit just because they can make extra money doing that but i, I have not fact-checked that myself but this seems you can definitely watch it on netflix
1: sorry uh this seems like something that netflix would have bought right like they didn't go out and say hey make this movie like they do with some of them this is one that they probably purchased uh yeah this is probably one with it being the it's... coen brothers and all i figured it was probably one that they purchased i don't actually know it was pr- that
0: it was probably one that they purchased because it's one of those things, especially because of just the, how weird the movie is. Mm-hmm. I imagine this is an easier sell to a Netflix type streaming platform. You know that this would be a hard sell to go into th- like a theatrical run, just because I mean everyone loves the Coen Brothers, but it is a weird fucking movie, and it's a western, and westerns aren't you know in vogue at all anymore. Really, they're they're barely any made, and it being anthology. Anthology is always a hard sell for theatrical releases like i can't even remember the last time there was a successful anthology film in theaters can you it just never really happens like that anymore
1: yeah i these are the ones i run across like i miss them if they did go to theaters like i found them years later or they just go straight to streaming it seems like
0: um like a lovecraftian horror anthology called southbound existed and i didn't know about it for like three fucking years mm-hmm. that that's telling you something i am so mad at myself i could have had that movie in my life <laughs> so long ago but hey it was kind of fun to inadvertently kind of discover it you know with the podcast it's pretty cool
1: so what i'm seeing on the wikipedia page is that the cohen's basically took this movie and kind of went to Netflix with it more or less because basically Hollywood at the time was only interested in either something that was already established or Marvel. So they they presented it to uh, Netflix, and even though they presented it to Netflix and Netflix was interested, they were kind of eh, I don't know that I want to do this about it. it says, the only so. two
0: people that can get original IP made right now are pretty much. Brian Johnson and Edgar Wright, mm-hmm. and Christopher Nolan, but yeah,
1: but yeah. So there it is. I did yeah. I did my due diligence live on the in the air. <laughs> there you go. There you go. The, the only
0: due God diligence intended. that will
1: <laughs> <laughs> the only
0: due diligence that will ever happen is we do it live.
1: Fuck it. Okay. So we 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 can't we can't start talking about this movie until you start singing at least one of Buster Scruggs' songs. Right? You're you're gonna do it. Uh. I didn't agree to this. This will be the <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: curtain call for Screenplay Rewind. Screenplay Eject. It's done.
1: That's, that, that's our After Dark version of this podcast. <laughs> screenplay Eject.
0: <laughs> We're going to hire the, the fucking Duke Nukem voice actor just to say the Eject.
1: He's probably got a cameo. Uh,
0: yeah, Oh, and just uh, uh, really quickly, we should probably say, when we cover anthologies... We have to kind of go old-school SPR approach of actually kind of breaking down the plots a little bit. Otherwise, it's impossible to talk about. Because yes. you have to kind of talk about them a chunk at a time. Just like we do with Southbound, we'll be doing these in... The order they are presented in the film. Uh, I believe there are six vignettes. Yeah, six tales of life and violence in the Old West. Uh, and yeah, let's get started. Let's, let's talk about the first one. <laughs> it opens up with <laughs> Tulsa, Oklahoma's own Tim Blake Nelson. Are and you probably yeah, he's uh, I found it out while uh, poking around the MDBA. Tim Blake Nelson born in Tulsa, pretty cool. I didn't know that. Huh. Always liked Tim Blake Nelson. Did you watch uh HBO Watchmen? No, yet? not yet. He's one of the uh detectives in it. He's fucking awesome in that show, dude. I'm kind of glad that Tim Blake Nelson is getting a little bit of a little bit of cred, mm-hmm. you know, over the last few years. Cuz he got a uh, he actually got a Critics Choice like award
1: nomination or something like that for Watchmen. it's like okay he's yeah dude he's one of those guys that i for some reason i just always forget about him until i see him in something and i'm like oh fuck yes he's it's it's funny well we talked about him earlier
0: it's the same with steven root like steven root is incredibly talented but Basically everyone just thinks of him as Milton from the from Office Space. I mean, that's his most iconic role, but <laughs> not If you more. ever watch
1: if, <laughs> I've got two roles if, I think of him as.
0: If you ever <laughs> if you ever watch him in uh, uh like if you ever even like in Get Out, like he can be fu- like he can be jovial, he can be goofy, he can be fucking sinister though. Like I've mm-hmm. seen him in some role like he had a he had a very dark role in a what was the name of the movie i just watched it i think it was like the thin man it was some obscure horror movie i watched a few weeks ago but he he had like a a bit role in it and yeah i was just genuinely i'm always impressed by those character actors that like when they show up on set don't matter what the movie is they're going all the fuck out pan shots be damned you know Mm -hmm. It's going for it. And Tim Blake Nelson is one of those. Tim Blake Nelson is fucking going for it in this (laughs) opening, dude. So when this opens up and it's just Tim Blake Nelson on his horse, just singing through the fucking like uh, Western mountainside
1: dying of thirst.
0: (laughs) What did you think this was going to be the entirety of the movie?
1: I was like, Jeff, what the fuck have you gotten me into? (laughs) It's so weird. And I love that the Coen
0: brothers open the fucking movie up with this shit it's so fucking bonkers it and is and it's so it, it and the, one of the things i actually genuinely love about this anthology is how drastically different some of them are yes uh some of them are lighthearted some of them you Ooh, know have boy. funny scenes some of them make you want to just like fucking uh, uh the the Liam Neeson one too i wanted to crawl into a <laughs> hole the Liam Neeson one makes your fucking skin crawl at times. It's so hard to
1: watch.
0: And I, I kind of, I kind of dig that. And I, I feel like they intentionally open up the movie with this, Uh, you know, not only because it's the title of the film, but also just to establish, like, we're going to be doing some
1: weird shit in here. The thing that was weird to me is why is this one, what the film is titled after? This is like the one that is completely different from all the rest of them. Like, they get some of them are weird some of them are strange but this one is so far left field compared to the other yeah, five. It, it, it really is. And for uh, it to I, be I, the ti- cuz at that point if I know this is the title and I'm watching this that is setting a tone for the entire movie for all six of them to me. So it was really jarring when we started moving into the other ones. I'm like what is going on cuz like you know <laughs> uh, southbound um the through line it had a through line not all anthologies yes. have a through line but that's why southbound is called southbound right I, I get this one doesn't really have a through line but it just seemed like it was an odd choice to title it after the first one i mean it's
0: a good i, title. I literally it's a good title, I literally yeah i i literally think it is only titled this because they like the title
1: <laughs>
2: uh that sounds and, like and, a, and
1: it is it, it, like a ron it, and jeff it, move if i've ever heard one it, <laughs> <laughs> why are you calling it that I don't know sounds cool it doesn't make any sense sounds, no it sounds but good it sounds no cool. well <laughs> uh, honestly like it's not us because they probably came
0: up with that title in two seconds and we agonize over titles for everything for fucking months <laughs> how many fucking start from scratch efforts did screenplay rewind take and it's just like a basic fucking combination of words it took us like how many weeks to figure that out it's sad and We're very bad at naming we had a shit. false
1: start on it too because there was another podcast already named that that hasn't oh, been active yeah. in like six years or something yeah yeah we had another
0: name actually i like this name better so it was I like a too. happy accident i was gonna say no, matter,
1: no matter what anyone says uh, i still think you knocked the name of this podcast out of the park i, I appreciate I it i think it's a really good name I appreciate nothing it. else about it, but the name. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else is shit. but the, oh, the titles, good. the name, and the graphic—I <laughs> both really like. Thank
0: you, <laughs> thank, thank you. Shout out, shout out to random guy on Fiverr uh, who I, 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 t- I tipped him. He got paid. <laughs> He's fine. He got his meal He's ticket. Fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh no. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Okay. So it's yeah, all Ballad gold of in this Canyon. Strunk. Okay. So the basic kind of. Plot of the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, is it's this very very bizarre. I, I can't even describe it. It's such a very specific tone, and it's not a callback because no westerns have ever been like this. <laughs> it, it's so singular, and it's so fucking Coen Brothers. That that that's probably the other reason. This is the most off the fucking wall, because like, the Coen brothers have made some weird shit. I like, just want... think think of some of the, the, the dream sequences in, in Lebowski, dude. Like, they've done some real weird shit. So this is probably the most Coen brothers-esque weirdness they get. That's another reason they could have opened up with this. Just because they, they love that shit.
1: I want someone to break this down into six individual episodes that all are on sale for, I don't know, three, five dollars each. And the blurb... On Ballad of Buster Scruggs needs to be no Western has ever been like this. (laughs) That was amazing. You'll buy your whole seat, but you only need the edge. Oh, my
0: God. So, yeah, uh, uh, Tim Blake Nelson, as we we talked about earlier, he's playing uh, Buster Scruggs. He's constantly singing. I I actually love the way he's acting uh, because he's acting as this just totally self-assured biggest dick-in-the-room alpha male walking around, but he's not, like... But at the same time... Dickish about it. He's very kind of, like, lighthearted about how much of an alpha he is. It's, it's a weird character.
1: Yeah, and at the same time, though, he's doing it as if he's, like, faking it until he makes it, but he's not. Yeah. He's, al- he's not faking it, but he's acting like he is. It's really Yeah, he's strange. constant.
0: He's constantly breaking the fourth wall uh, to talk to the viewer, and... I actually really like the scene when he first walks in the little saloon where he like shakes the dust off, and it's an outline of Tim Blake Nelson as he walks away. It's a fucking, it's a Looney Tunes cartoon. This whole
1: thing is Looney. Tunes. It's a, it
0: it's was, a Looney, It's more of a fucking
1: like, uh, Looney Tunes like, uh, Road Runner ep- episode than a fucking western. It's so weird. Yosemite Sam could have shown up at any time, and I would not have been surprised. Played by Clancy Brown.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, we'll get to Clancy Brown. Oh,
0: okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> The way that he kills slash makes Clancy Brown commit suicide is is worth the entire runtime of watching this film. The first time that happens, it's so jarring. I laughed my ass off because I was not expecting it at all. He does it like not once, but like three fucking times. <laughs>
1: Dude, that first yeah. time okay, so that first time he does it, like they knew, they knew the audience reaction because the first time he does it. And it happens, there's a long pause. And then he does it like three more times in a row. Oh my, I, I do, it's so good. And on that it's, first it's so one, good. I shot straight up and down on the couch like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> and as soon as I finished an- asking that question, he answered by doing it three more times in quick succession.
0: <laughs> All with a smile on his face. Okay, so oh again, because th- this thing you should at the very least, YouTube... Ballad of Buster Shrugs, this is probably the first thing that shows up as the scene. Uh, So, again, spoilers, please watch this. Uh, At least look up Buster Shrugs, like, poker game scene, something like that on YouTube, to find this. Okay, so what he does is he he walks into a, uh, it's like a little gambling (laughs) joint. Did you
1: YouTube it? You called it. You totally called it. (laughs) <laughs> all i did was type in ballad of buster scruggs and the very first thing that comes up is clancy brown <laughs> two and a half god, minutes
0: god damn right yeah watch that and then come back
1: oh watch my that and god come back. okay
0: so uh, so what he does is after <laughs> uh, after he goes into the the gambling little saloon thing to start playing some poker because he loves himself some poker is he gets into an argument with clancy brown uh and if you if you Google Clancy Brown, you'll know who we're talking about. If you're not familiar with his name, he's 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 fucking Krabs. Be. he's been in a million things. You should be he's, familiar yeah, with his name. He's I, I fucking adore that man. I, I
1: love Clancy Brown. He is very close to the SPR Rushmore, isn't it? As, as we have, I'm pretty sure. Played. I'm pretty sure I'm thinking of Clancy Brown, but he isn't he by all accounts basically like the biggest the world's biggest teddy bear, and then yeah, he always plays yeah. a dick in everything, and he's so good at it. I mean, like uh, the way that he plays the villain at Highlander,
0: <laughs> and you're just like, "God damn, that's Mister Fucking Crabs, dude."
1: <laughs> it's so weird. I lo- I love Clancy Brown; he's the best. Isn't he also but, uh, Lex uh, Luthor in Justice League?
0: Yes, in the cartoon, right? Yeah, where he yeah. So yeah. you're saying he's not the one that uses the Jolly Ranchers? Is that oh is that God. correct?
1: Could you imagine <laughs> if they had Clancy Brown being? The version of Lex from the cartoon. <laughs> that instantly makes that movie better.
0: No, I, I just instantly thought of Clancy Brown shoving Jolly Ranchers into a guy's mouth, and that also instantly makes the movie
1: better. So <laughs> was, I am all I aboard say, this idea. Know, that one turns me on a little bit. That one, yeah, uh, that's a, the, the, the other yeah, guy, no, yeah. no, 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 no.
0: And I also just imagine him doing the Jolly Rancher scene while in the costume of his Highlander villain, <laughs> and I'm also on board with it. <laughs> So what he what he does to make Clancy Brown kill himself because Clancy Brown yells at him because he says, "Hey, you joined the poker game. He anteed in. You have to play the hand." And Template Nelson as Buster Scruggs is like, "Fuck that. Those aren't the rules." They, uh, well, they, at they one offered, point,
1: uh, they offered him he can play with those cards, and then he looks at the cards, and they're like, "No, no, no, no. You've looked at the cards. Now you
0: have yeah.
2: to
1: play them." And
0: it's and he notices it's the it's the dead man's hand. It's the uh the you know the what is it bill hickok is that the dead man's hand guy oh god it was he was, was a character in deadwood and it's like a real character that dead man's hand <laughs> comes from with the what is it aces eights and uh they're all the the black cards i think okay, i'm I remember, not familiar but uh yeah it's a dead man's hand it's very very famous uh poker hand uh what yeah wild bill hickok yeah so he uh has this uh This whole argument, you know, Clancy Brown draws a gun. uh, The saloon's only rule, really, is you have to check in your guns at the front door. And Clancy Brown has obviously not done this because he just fucking instantly draws on Buster Scruggs. So to defend himself, he kicks one of the, like, boards that lines across the table to hit Clancy Brown's elbow and then shoot the gun back up towards his face. And then shoot himself in the head. He does it multiple times, <laughs> and it's such a jarring edit, and it's such a cool <laughs> angle because they go, they're doing like you know regular camera shots on their each of their uh, their faces as they're going back and forth, they're talking, but then they do like a wide
1: shot from the side, and it's just it's it's perfect, dude. It's, I, I think the first it's one is from behind Buster Scruggs, and then it cuts to this wide shot where he does it like three more times. <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah.
0: Because I, I oh was watching god. this, no, not only what to expect, and then when it was singing, I was like, I don't know about this, and then this scene happens, <laughs> like I'm in, I'm in, whatever the fuck, I'm down, dude. <laughs> you have sold me, uh, Mr. Cohen Brothers. What made you seek this out? The
1: fact that it's the Cohens, it's the Cohens, and
0: the cast, the cast is a lot of. Oh my god, the cast is people. insane.
1: And speaking of the, the cast, cast is- when I first saw the gun, uh, see, he's credited as Gun Check Man, um, Thomas Wingate. I swear to God, I thought that was William H. Macy. For no reason. Kind of looks like him. Just standing there taking people's guns. Anyone who isn't a super
0: famous actor in this is a very, very famous character actor. Like, they didn't fuck around with the casting in this because every single person wants to work with the Coens. Like, did you ever hear about (laughs) the fucking uh, uh, Garfield story about how Bill Murray associated with that have you ever heard this story no oh man it's hilarious and also depressing as fuck let me look up the exact name of the oh, writer so Bill Murray gets sent details for the Garfield movie right like the cat yes okay so Bill Murray sees the Garfield the animated Garfield movie from 2004. Uh well, he's animated, but you know, it's like mixed live action, whatever the fuck. Written by Joel Cohen. <laughs> Bill Murray thought the Garfield movie was a Cohen Brothers joint and joined the production because he thought he was gonna work with the Cohen Brothers. Nice. He did not. He did it is not. Joel. It
1: is Joel Cohen.
0: <laughs> That's where he makes me laugh every time. Could you imagine? oh man. I mean, he got paid a shit ton to Probably do fucking voice recording for six hours. But still, it's funny as fuck because Bill Murray became Garfield because of an
1: accident. Oh, he's
0: actually Garfield? The...
1: Uh Bill Murray? Yeah. yeah, he's the voice of Garfield. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't even know this movie existed. Oh, you didn't know the Garfield movies existed? I had no idea that movie existed. Oh yeah, they're terrible. <laughs> uh, at least the first one was. Yeah, they're terrible. I can only imagine. Yeah. No, don't. Just just don't. Just don't. Just don't. I'd rather shoot Uh, myself in the head with the table. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah. Real quick, the thing one thing one of the notes that I just had to write down, and I swear to God, I was like, God damn it, movie, right after I wrote it down. Listening to the fake horse hoof clops and the opening (laughs) when he's walking. (laughs) Like, it sounds like the horse is on cobblestones, but he's in the desert. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's so going to the beat
1: of the song, and I, w- I wrote down, I was like, okay, I have to admit the fake horse hoof clops are kind of amazing. And as soon as I finished writing down fake horse hoof clops, he literally calls out the horse hoof clops himself to the audience, and I yeah. was just like, oh my god. And then, uh, the fact that that same song about Needing water, and it's got the horse hoof stuff and everything. His echo is his backup singer. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh my god, what is happening?" <laughs> it's <laughs> it's so next level
0: bonkers, dude.
1: Like it seems it's, it's so, so stupid, but the more you think about it, the more genius it gets. It, it, it's yeah, it's and it's one of those things
0: too where it's like even if you are horribly horribly turned off by just how weird this opening is you're captivated by it yeah. it's a fucking train wreck you cannot fucking <laughs> turn away and as soon as the clancy brown scene happens i'm like this is my favorite movie that's ever happened
1: <laughs> avengers what uh, yeah yeah avenger scrugs
0: avenger scrugs i would watch that uh, his fucking dust out outline is one of the, <laughs> the
1: avengers. uh they need oh, to man. uh They need to replace. uh, What's the what's the cowboy from Justice League Unlimited? Oh God, Uh, uh, vigilante. Vigilante. That's him. They need to replace vigilante with Buster Scruggs. Someone deep fake this now,
0: (laughs) (laughs) please. Someone way more talented than us, please contribute to society. (laughs) So, uh, this yeah. So, and this is again. You literally can't speak about this opening vignette. You just have to watch it because it's just all. And just like dude. The fucking charisma that Tim Blake Nelson has in this is is outstanding. Because I mean, every time he's sing, I think it's actually him singing too, because it sounds like him. It sounds I didn't like know him, Tim, yeah. uh, some of it's probably you know an ADR version of it, but I think it's him. It sounds like Tim Blake Nelson. So yeah, uh, some of their uh, <laughs> we have to talk. Okay, so the way that they wrap up the opening with uh, Buster Shrugs is. You know, he thinks he's hot shit because he is, you know, he's he he can casually fucking go shoot him up Clive Owen style and just eliminate like 20 targets at once without even trying. He shoots one dude when he's shooting the fingers off one at a time is pretty crazy. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Sorry. I don't uh, know if you could hear me, but I just started laughing to myself while you were talking because I was looking at the Wikipedia to see if it mentions if it's actually him singing or if it's ADR or what and i caught the song title surly joe which was the song about clancy brown killing himself the, the lyrics in that are
0: incredible holy fuck like when that scene happens and he's singing that song turn on the subtitles because just chef
1: chef's kiss all around i, I, I just i just might find it on itunes i don't know it's pretty good oh my god it's pretty fucking good
0: Early so job. he goes out into a shootout because uh, what kind of props this ending thing is uh, the the guy that he shoots all his fingers off is the brother of Clancy Brown. He's coming in to get revenge. Uh, Buster Shrugs just immediately just, just destroys him, ends up doing the fucking kill shot uh, looking at a mirror with his back turned towards him and he's like doing like mental gymnastics of uh, let's, let's now see. In, the, in the reflection. So. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to figure out where he uh, where he needs to <laughs> aim to shoot him in the heart and then he just fucking one taps him, you know through the ball looking through the mirror and it's just it's crazy but you can't stay hot shit forever because another uh bounty hunter rolls in to you know to kind of challenge him and he asks them just yeah he and then you know he asks uh buster shrugs do you need to count he's like no and he just draws and fucking shoots him and then well that ain't good
1: (laughs) (laughs) dude (laughs)
0: <laughs> the bl- dude the camera angles as he looks at his hat with the bullet hole is really cool actually
1: yeah because you're looking I through his the- eyes it's first yeah, person it's it's
0: really well shot and they and it gets even fucking weirder because not only does he die and become a an <laughs> angel he has these little bitty fucking cherub winks as uh-huh. he's playing a harp and singing along with the kid And
1: you just can't make this shit up. Like, watch this on YouTube, please.
0: It's It's so weird. You have to see
1: it. It's an almost, almost intentionally bad CGI harp. too. Like, (laughs) there's no reason it needed to look as bad as it did unless they did that on purpose. Yeah. Um, Uh, The name of the song, uh, if you want to see it on YouTube, the name of the song is When a Cowboy Trades His Spurs for Wings. Yeah, it actually got it's a an Academy
0: Award Did it really? for best achievement in music written for motion pictures best original song.
1: Achievement in music.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what? They should have won best picture for the Clancy Brown scene. So we'll yes. take this as a yeah, yeah, a consolation prize. <laughs> Quote Ridley Scott: yeah. "Uh, comedy." <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Best is achievement that, in music is is the Martian getting <laughs> nominated for that? <laughs> the dumbest thing the Oscars ever they done a lot of stupid shit that might be the dumbest like the, ha, ha, he almost died cooking potatoes on Mars <laughs>
1: fucking nerd <laughs> oh my god For Jesus Christ why don't you tape I'm up just your so- glasses while you're at it <laughs> yeah oh god so dumb Ooh, excuse yeah. me Wikipedia it's not a harp it's a liar oh Look, excuse me okay they specifically point out that it's a liar, and of course the liar links to liars on fucking Wikipedia of course yep yeah, yeah, yeah. so they get you so yeah. Willie Watson plays the kid am I seeing this correctly that this is basically like the one thing he's done uh, did he look familiar to you? he looked super familiar to I me. thought.
0: I dude, I did the same thing. I thought one thousand percent. I've seen this dude in something, but I looked through and I don't recognize any of. Like, it's only been like very, very minor roles. But I guess he just has one of those. You know who he kind of looks like? He looks kind of almost like a young Val Kilmer. Maybe that's
1: what I'm. Maybe that's what it is. Because with that, because that mustache that he has in the movie, he could very much be a Val Kilmer double. Like, if they ever make a movie
0: where they need to cast a younger version of like a modern day Val Kilmer. Cast that dude because yeah. now that I think about it, it's it's fucking perfect. Like he looks just like that dude. Uh, yeah. So, y- any other closing thoughts on the palette of Buster Scruggs?
1: No, I think that about uh, think yeah. that about does it.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's continue on. That is the first vignette down. We need to kind of speed this up. We're going to be here for fucking three hours. This is exactly what happened with Southbound. You get me and Ron talking about an anthology, and we'll sit there for four hours just talking about it. It's just, it's so, uh, it's so fun to talk about to me. Well, I, I don't know what it is about it.
1: The thing is, the next five are fairly straightforward. But the first one is a fucking Looney Tune. It's a musical. <laughs> it's a Western. Like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Yeah, I I, re- I think I like it, but I don't know what's oh, I, happening.
0: I was yeah. taken aback the first time I saw it, but the more I think about it, the more genius the more more I like it. it the <laughs> more genius it, be, it becomes, and uh, and seriously, read the lyrics to the fucking <laughs> Surly
1: Joe song. It's 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 amazing. I'm gonna look it so up our, as soon as we're done recording. I think I just just to it's, listen it's, to it again. It's,
0: it's wonderful. Uh, so the next segment opens up. Oh, uh, we didn't mention they have a uh, little kind of, like the through line is that these are all tales that they're actually presenting from like a novel. Uh, and they yes. have these really cool uh, uh these really cool paintings. Uh, yeah. Of and of like d- d- depictions of certain elements or scenes from what's going to happen in the story that are very cool. I, I really like. And they also it, it's have, usually
1: a moment from the story with a quote at the bottom. The one for yeah. the first one it <laughs> is fucking clancy brown telling him to play the cards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god. What's also super
0: cool too is they actually took the time to to write out like a novel adaptation yes. of at least certain segments you see because you can actually if you pause, you can go and read further details mm-hmm. of the stories uh that are on like the final pages as they're turning or at the beginning when they're opening the page to begin the story. Super cool because I actually took the time to kind of like uh, especially the meal ticket one, because they actually talk a little bit more about the ending of the meal ticket one if you stop to read it. It's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I recommend doing that. Uh, so the second story is called uh "Near Agadones," and this is my favorite one. This was your favorite this one. It's very good. One. It's very good. So uh <laughs> this stars an unnamed character played by James Franco as he is about to rob a bank in the middle of fucking nowhere it's just it's not even like a bank that's part of it's really funny it's not even part of a town it's in the middle of the, fucking the, middle of
1: the desert
0: yeah <laughs> i love it so much oh i love it uh so he's about he's kind of uh scoping out the place and as he sees the bank in the middle of nowhere he's like shit this is gonna
1: be easy to rob and boy is he mistaken you, it, i got the intention that this is like his first time though isn't it? He's. The, it's it, it's hard to say, and I think it's he, intentional he looks because. He's nervous.
0: As me. he's running away. Well, I, I'd be nervous too if I encountered <laughs> fucking Steven Root covered shot. in pants. <laughs> pants shot. And the fact that he can disappear like he's the goddamn Batman. <laughs> <laughs> he's still legit. I would be pissing my pants too, dude. If,
1: yeah. When he walks into the doors, and it's just that long lobby that's just empty and fucking Milton is sitting at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I said out loud, Milton? <laughs> oh
0: he's God. so good in this too. He's so he good. He doesn't get very much screen time, but good God, he's a He he's owns this.
1: this whole thing and he's only in the beginning of it. I love how
0: when James Franco pulls the gun on him that he acts frightened. Yes. Because you know as soon as what's about to happen, he ain't scared of
1: shit. (laughs) I gotta get the large bills. They're down below. Oh, God. With my red stapler.
0: (laughs) Set set the building on fire.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just needed a water heater in the background. That's all I needed. Oh, my God, dude. When that first shotgun blast comes through the front of the counter. It's good. And then It's it's just one, two, three. And then when Franco jumps over the counter eventually because it's got, like, bars and stuff. He has to climb to get over it. There's, like, five shotguns mounted to boxes just sitting behind the counter at even (laughs) intervals. Yeah. And before this happens, doesn't Steven Root just talk about all the times people have robbed him in the past, like, before James pulls pulled a gun on him? he, he,
0: He specifically talks about how at one point someone tried to rob him and he kind of, like, citizen arrested him and held him inside the vault for like two weeks. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that he talks about. So that's your first clue. This shit's about to go very, very (laughs) wrong for Mr. Franco. Oh, my God. So James Franco uh, escapes the uh, like the the initial onslaught of the fucking shotgun blast as Steven Root is the fucking equalizer (laughs) in the (laughs) bank. Oh, my God. (laughs) I love it. He runs outside and this is where he is in because I think James Franco is actually... Competent. it's just the fact that he was so caught off guard and by how much of a fucking, like, crazy psychopath Steven Root is. Because he's very calm about the robbery at the beginning. Like, he's not nervous as he's pulling the gun. He becomes nervous as Steven Root goes level 500 PUBG player. (laughs) (laughs) When sweat lord Steven Root comes out. (laughs) uh, Yeah. So James Franco runs uh, outside the bank and then kind of hides and he just... He hears the dangling of pans and (laughs) pots. And he's like, what the fuck is that? And you just hear Steven Root screaming and yelling as he's (laughs) running across the field covered in pans as James Franco starts shooting at him.
1: He's just in a, what's that? What's that undergarment with the butt flap that cowboys wear underneath all their clothes? uh, Thermals?
0: Like the thermal, yeah. Yeah,
1: he's just got that with pots all over (laughs) it. But before that, he was just fucking sniper on the roof. You didn't know where the shots were coming from. Yeah. Yeah. It was terrifying. Yeah. He's the bat. He's the Batman. He's dude. the fucking he's he's, he's he's the um uh uh uh, uh what's the uh, what's the Flash story where he goes back in time and fucks everything up? Oh, Thomas Wayne Batman. Yeah, he's the Thomas Wayne yeah. Batman from uh, Flashpoint Paradox. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, he's the Thomas Wayne Batman cuz he's using guns. <laughs> dude, holy yeah. shit, man. Yeah.
0: Yeah, as he's running across the field after Franco and Franco shoots at him a few times and only connects in the pots, Steven Root takes the time to yell out. Pan <laughs> shot! Pan <laughs> shot. <laughs> and, and, and dude, dude. I thought I thought I couldn't love Steven Root anymore, and then this movie happened, and I was like, I am mistaken.
1: <laughs> it's it's the way he does it though, when he yells it, he sounds like a fucking parrot who heard someone yell that playing PUBG. Cause he's so maniacal. Every oh my time god, it's amazing. He gets shot. You just hear this ting, ping, shot, ping, shot, <laughs> like <laughs> over and over. And like oh, this Franco incredible. just starts this freaking is... out and emptying his gun, but he just keeps connecting to nothing but pans, and he's just pan shot oh Dude. my god he's I the fucking I terminator but he's covered in pots and pans
0: i gotta watch this movie again i did the just talking about it makes me want to go watch it again because it's so fucking funny and it was all hilarious all over again <laughs> the second time too if it, not funnier because like you pick up on like very little details you know because the Cohen brothers right. are perfectionists and just fucking weirdos uh so there's like there's probably a fucking if you go back into the bank and like enhance Enhanced probably find like a red stapler over on the fucking bank desk (laughs) near Milton. Yeah. I don't fucking know. You'll find a flash action
1: figure or statue or something. somewhere.
0: yeah, all all, all kinds of shit. So, uh, Steven root, uh, after taking the, like the five or six pan shots, uh, knocks out James Franco and James Franco wakes up. uh, As you do. (laughs) He wakes up about to be hanged. Having been unconscious for the entirety of his trial, apparently, (laughs) And they sentenced him to death. Uh,
1: Ralph Innocent... I was going to say, dude, uh, fucking Ralph Innocent.
0: Ralph Innocent has maybe the coolest voice any human has ever had. (laughs) Like, he always just sounds so fucking... And and if you need a guy to be in your movie for, like, two minutes and just make you, like, fucking terrified of that that fucking voice, you hire Ralph Innocent. Because I think they used him pretty well in... uh, Wasn't he in Game of Thrones as
1: well? Just... I believe uh, so. I, bl- I believe he was. Uh, yes, he Thrones. was re- Um, Dagmar he- Clefjaw. That's a name. That means a thing.
0: Probably probably a bunch of whys. Um, <laughs> Game uh, of Thrones.
1: So the the interesting thing about Ralph Innocent, and I just don't know how you do this, but it's the way he's talking to James Franco because he's like... 95% couldn't give two shits about what is happening or what's about to happen to James Franco. It's just he's bothered that he had to stop what he's doing to be out here to hang a guy. And the other mm. 5% of his voice tone is like genuinely feeling sad for James Franco at the same time. Like the way he's looking at him and the way he's talking, it's like it's like a 90-10 or 95-5 split on oh my god why am i here oh but yeah you know it's too bad what's about to happen to you kind of thing is this the way he's talking yeah. to him grabbed me instantly because i was like dude he really sounds like he can't make up his mind how much he cares about this and that's another thing too is
0: uh when when you're making something like this and it's you know very similar to 1917 you know if you're gonna have characters that are very pivotal in a small amount of screen time you have to get these kind of uh, actors yeah. you know because, like, you know, like, how long do we talk about Steven Root? Steven Root's in the movie for like 10 fucking seconds, yeah. but he's just so awesome. <laughs> pan shot, pan shot. <laughs> and you know, uh, you know, Tim Blake Nelson, you know, he's only in the movie for like 15 minutes, but you know, it's it's a very lasting performance
1: until he gets shot, it's really but it's a joke. very
0: lasting performance. Yeah,
1: well, that ain't good. <laughs> that ain't good. <laughs> okay, uh, we got we got to talk about what happens next, dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I so I, My notes are that this should have been titled James Franco's Bad Day. Yeah, no fucking joke. This is the in the anyone Wild West. could have. The worst day anyone could ever have in the Wild West. It's just ridiculous. But one of my favorite lines I think I've ever heard comes up near the end of it. We'll get there. I think I know which one you're talking about because <laughs> it's one of the it's maybe the best line in the entirety of the film, and it's the With way he of... says it
0: too. First time, <laughs> yeah, that's yep. the one. That's the one. That's the one. That's that's my that's probably my favorite scene of the movie. Then, <laughs> it's just the way he the way he delivers it is so good.
1: Well, and then it also I loved it for that is it so good and the way he delivers it and it just it's perfect. It's the isn't that the last thing he says even so like in the in the thing so like it's it's perfect it's a perfect book yeah it's, and not, everything. it's not
0: it's not the last thing he says i think he says oh that's a pretty that's a pretty girl because he, he yeah comments yeah, 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 on the girl yeah, yeah. that he sees in the crowd i but
1: uh yeah but so yeah. so the thing is though as soon as i heard that line i immediately flashed back to that uh the first south park game when you get taken by the aliens to get probed anally and you just hear from off screen first time and then it hands over to Randy right next to you. <laughs> oh man.
0: First time. <laughs> it's so good. So they they're gonna they're gonna hang him and he's on the back of a horse because they're 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 giving him his kind of like his last word. And I I really like how uh Innocent's two guys are trying to like barter on who can have his horse, and then James Franco's just like I don't want either. I don't want either of them to have my horse. They're just like that's fucked up, man. You know, <laughs> just,
1: you know, just, selfish, they
0: They're offended that he won't donate his horse to one of them.
1: Well, son, can one of them have your horse?
2: <laughs> like what's <is> happening?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't really want either one of them to have my horse. Selfish prick. <laughs> Yeah, up. It, and as soon as
0: they're about to uh to hang him they get attacked by this huge fucking swarm of i, I believe War they say they're uh they're uh yeah uh it's i believe they say they're uh comanche uh kind of like hunting squad mm-hmm. and they just get fucking slaughtered and the entire time james franco is on the back of the horse with his neck in the fucking noose just like trying to to not like panic because if he panics, the horse goes away. You know, the horse is already starting to freak out because of all the fucking gunshots and shit. And then, and then I the, really the like chief. how that yeah, the, the chief <laughs> what a has dick. A, the chief has this golden opportunity to just fucking kill him and he sees the predicament he's in and just fucking smiles and rides away with the rest of the well, party he like dude. He
1: screams and scares him too at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucked up. Yeah, it's really fucked up, dude. And yeah. Yeah. Like, what is worse? Just coming to and finding yourself with a noose around your neck? Or what happens next? Where he's out there for hours as the horse is inching forward, finding grass to eat. And he's trying, all he has is the stirrups, trying to keep the horse from walking too far away or he'll hang.
2: Dude, that's not even enough
1: of a drop to break your neck. That's not even enough of a drop. He'd be going out the hard way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so
0: and what's crazy too is like, we've talked about like, you know, like this is within, this is intense as fuck as he's trying to, you know, stay on the horse as it's inching forward. It's very tense. Five minutes after pan shot. <laughs> so like this, this movie it's, it's really cool to me how they're able to kind of balance a lot of the tone because it, you know, parts of it are very dark. Parts of it are very funny. Parts of it are Buster Scruggs, you know, <laughs> but the the especially like some of the later segments you know like they they balance a lot of the you know the the tone of it uh where it could very easily just become very very stupid but it never loses me you know and, and a lot of it is because they're they're very very good about who they pick to play a lot of these characters because you know whether it be you know charismatic leads or you know casting people atypically like the liam neeson selection is very interesting the way that you see his character you know is portrayed and plays out right it's just it's it's very it's uh it grabs you uh, in a lot of different ways uh and i just think it's i think it's a very very interesting movie you know even even if not everything works for you and it won't and that's almost the point in an anthology is because with an anthology because there's no stakes to it because it doesn't work it's a short it's it's a series of short stories and in short stories you can do anything you know that you have no rules it's only what your imagination can uh, come up with because you know you're not obeying you know three act structure and mm-hmm. character arcs you know you, you can have stuff that just doesn't make sense or is just very very uh fine-tuned well uh, when you're it's... when you're
1: free of having to do the heavy lifting of you know the setting and the plot development and stringing everything together into being cohesive one cohesive mm-hmm. story like all that stuff is is lifted you ain't got time for that shit you know, in a, a short story, no. you you just got to get to the meat and get gone. Cut to the chase, yep. as they say. Yep. Uh, yeah. So a guy finds <laughs> poor fucking James Franco.
0: <laughs> How funny is it when he shows up? He's like, hold still, <laughs> when he's trying to shoot down the news.
1: <laughs> and every because every gun gunshot, the shot. horse is freaking out more.
0: Yeah, he goes out of his way to be a badass and try to shoot the fucking rope. <laughs> instead of just going to cut the fucking rope down (laughs) sending the horse flying and james franco is swinging erratically choking to death for about like well like 10 seconds as he says he misses like three or four shots (laughs) trying to hit it he's like god damn it stay still (laughs) and he gets in this whole conversation with this quote-unquote you know this uh he's a a rancher you know steering the, the cows around right I don't I don't know what their title is,
1: but I think it's, I think you it's you know. a drover. Because I think, Some, yeah, something, something I, I like think that. droving is when you actually drive the the cattle, but it turns out that's not what he is. <laughs> yeah.
0: Cause what is he run? He is a
1: rustler. <laughs> yeah. That word I know for a fact.
0: <clears throat> so
1: <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Poor I James can't. Franco,
0: dude. It's so sad. Oh
1: my God. When you see the the other posse riding at them from a distance, he just, it cuts back to James Franco and he's by himself. And there's just the dudes in the background riding away at full speed. Yeah. And it's really funny because that is on the heels of him. Just having talked about,
0: maybe we can have a partnership, you know, we'll have a whole thing. It's going to be great. (laughs) And then he sees the posse road and just fucking cheeses it. He's going
1: on like fucking Bubba going on about shrimp. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah and then he just okay that's where they needed the fucking cartoon smoke outline of the dude because when james franco it it cuts back to him he's just by himself with no one next to him but it's the same the same shot that was lined up so james franco was on the left and the dude was on the right but when it cuts Mm -hmm. back it's just james franco (laughs) on the left yes (laughs) yes And then they they hard cut
0: to James Franco being sentenced again for <laughs> rustling up all of the the goddamn cows, and he is sentenced to death again. <laughs> oh, this, this this is so, so dark.
1: Why is this so funny?
0: It's so good. It's so good. And then oh. so uh, the the sentencing is very funny too. The way that they they present they're like telling him like to shut the fuck up while we're sentencing you. <laughs> and uh, the, one of the guys that caught him this does this like eight second rundown of him seeing him with the 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 fucking cows and stuff. Yeah. And he's like, well, sentence is death. <laughs> and they hard cut again to him walking up to the uh uh the Scaffold. fucking what is it called? Yeah, like where they're about to hang uh three or four of them. Yeah, and. The guy next to Franco is, you know, crying and freaking the hell out. And then that's the line, you know, we talked about earlier.
1: <laughs> Franco just stares first. at him for a minute. And then just goes, <laughs>
0: first time. <laughs> Fuck. Oh my I god. I love it so much. He's so I good. Love it. So good. And then as he's uh, they they place the noose on him as they're about to hang him, uh, you know, they have this this final shot where Franco's looking out over the crowd and he sees a beautiful young woman. And I think, he, I believe the, the uh, line he says is that's a, that's a pretty girl. And then I think they hard cut to you, you hearing the scaffold yeah, I give think, as they hang them. I think
1: the bag comes over his head, which blacks out your screen. And then I think you hear yes. it. Yes. Right? Yeah, I think
0: you're right. Yeah, I think you hear the scaffold snap as they're descending from the the gallows i think that's what they're called yeah uh and that's the end of that one that's the end of near algodones oh my god very very what what
1: is the, that what is that name what, what algodones i know that what is that is that that's a reference to something isn't it i believe it's a city in mexico Algodones. Los algodones north mo- northern small mexican town, mexico. town
0: located yeah it's uh uh Approximately 16 kilometers west of Yuma, Arizona. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> probably probably went past it in Red Dead at some point. Probably. Definitely in Red Dead too, because you covered the entire the continent. continent in that game. Yeah.
2: Jesus. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> so let's talk about uh, any other closing thoughts on...
1: Uh, you said that one was your favorite? That one was my uh, my favorite out of the six. I think the next one's mine. <laughs> Jesus, Jeff. <laughs> I think meal
0: ticket is mine because as I watched this unfold, I was like, "Oh no!"
2: I He's kept gonna, waiting
0: oh.
1: for it to get better, and it didn't. <laughs> it just kept going down the drain. This one? Oh my god! This is, one. This
0: one is so oppressive.
1: I'm pretty sure when this one ended, I just had my hand over my face, like over my mouth, and staring it, I at think the screen. That's, i i think it is shockingly horrifying the end of this it, it's it's fucking
0: brutal dude uh this is another one i I recommend at least youtubing like this segment of it uh if you're not gonna watch the whole thing uh probably the ones that you most need to kind of like uh be prepped for by actually watching it are just how oppressive meal ticket is and just how fucking weird buster shrug is at the beginning but that's going to be hard to talk about because this one is just fucking rough. It's followed so, by another uh, dark one too.
1: <clears throat> on top meal of ticket, it. Meal Ticket
0: stars uh, Liam Neeson, who is uh, titled on IMDb as the Impresario. In the If you actually read the novelization bits at the end, mm-hmm. he's referred to as the tall man. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. As soon as your guy's called the tall man, you know it's a <laughs> fucking dark as shit.
1: Bleak in the on the way. An impresario is a person who organizes and often finances concerts, plays, or operas, performing a role in stage arts that is similar to that of a film or television producer. Apparently, thank you, Wikipedia. The more you know. Do uh, Co-leading this segment is
0: Harry Melling. That was shocking to me.
2: Yeah, when I realized is who it that is. Dudley.
0: It's
1: Dudley, right? From uh, Harry Potter. Yeah. 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 When I, I, at first, I was just like, I don't, like, he looks familiar, but I don't know who the fuck this is. And then I look him up and I'm like, I don't know who the fuck this is. And then it's just Harry Potter, Harry Potter, Harry Potter, Harry Potter. And I was like, okay, well, that's why I don't know who this is. And the next time I saw my wife, I was like, hey, in Harry Potter, who's Dudley? She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, what character is Dudley? And then she kind of laughed and she's like, the, like, nerdy kid cuz he was a meme for a while because of the way he looks in Harry Potter versus how he looks now and like yeah. remember the meme of like be careful who you make fun of in middle school like he was the face of that meme for a long time but i had no idea that it was him and he's he's mm-hmm. a fucking great actor dude he's amazing at he's this he's incredible he is absolutely incredible at this and okay okay he's the
0: artist also, Artist. did you notice his stage name that Liam Neeson gave him
1: no. on the posters? Uh. Uh-uh.
0: He calls him the wingless
1: thrush. Degrading, is, but kind of adorable at the same time.
0: It, it's, it's so in context, though, by the end of it, it's so...
1: Oh, mean. dude! I didn't even think about the end. What did you just yeah. do, Jeff?
2: Yeah. What did
0: you just do? Yeah. So, so uh, Liam Neeson—you blew it up, <laughs> you batyaks. <beta-x. laughs> so uh, Harry Melling plays this this poor. I don't even know how he got. Like, uh, they have very, very brief moments as Liam Neeson is walking through the crowd, where he says he you know, like found him. You know armless and legless on like the streets of London, uh, you know, took him in. He is profiting off of these weird little presentations in this little stagecoach that they 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 uh you know drive around in and it's it's very bizarre too what they actually elect to have him speak pretty much verbatim because it's not really a performance in the matter it, of it being a, like a a play. yeah he's just he uh, one of them is the Gettysburg Address. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, there's a lot of
0: shakes uh, shakes. Yeah. Ozymandias that, uh, that uh, poem. Uh, there's a lot of Shakespeare from the, from the tempest is in this and it's just him reciting shit. Very,
1: but I mean, there's no TV met- or anything. So, you know, makes yeah,
0: sense. And they just, they just go from town to town. They have him recite these like three or four things for, you know, probably like an hour or two. And that's how they make a living is he, that he has. Did you ever uh, see you know,
1: on HBO? I think it's an original um, Fahrenheit 451 I read the book But I haven't seen the movie Okay as I say He reminds me of the kid At the end of that That's like memorizing All the fucking books mm-hmm. um, Yeah that, that's kind of Like the vibe That I got from him He just has All this shit in his head And he's just Doing it word for word But like The thing that was Impressive to me About um, I already lost his name Harry Melling I just almost said Dudley Because I couldn't think Of his name um, the thing that was impressive to me is, it's not like th- he did it one time and they just used that footage over and over. Every time you hear him recounting these stories, it's different. It's a it the way he says it and everything. Like he must have done those scenes, especially in the uh, in the montage part. I, he must have done those lines over and over and over, like twenty different ways, for them to cut it together the way they did. I, it, it, and every one of them is different, but just as powerful every time. Yeah. yeah. So, so the way
0: he's portraying them as he's reciting them is he's enunciating with a lot of bravado. Like he's on Broadway. Yeah. You know, he's he's doing it very well, but he's just reciting these things. That's his character uh, that, name.
1: The artist.
0: They're just they're they're very rote uh, just because he's doing, you know, like, like the, I think adding the Gettysburg Address is very, very intelligent character building for liam neeson because it just shows how stupid liam neeson is because he just makes him recite the gettysburg address because it's just something he can recite he's just like filling airtime yeah you know like and another uh, really impressive thing like you were talking about with like the montage if you notice harry melling's passion decreases slightly over time because their situation is growing more dire and he and dude there's so much character development just in in expressions uh from him well like
2: like the that thing. the amount
0: of pain, the amount of pain you see in his eyes, especially later on, will break your fucking heart, man, well, okay, he, he never says a word. <laughs> he never he barely ever talks, yeah, when it's not I don't like I don't think he says anything nope. outside of when he's reciting it's all facial expressions
1: and tears, um, oh he's incredible, dude, uh, oh my God, okay, so if you notice also around the time that you're starting to like kind of figure out that this something's not right with this this whole relationship and everything if you notice like the stories he's talking about and the parts of the stories they're choosing for you to hear him talk about in the montage and everything and then you see the way this thing ends and it's like oh my god yeah like it's this shit it's is brutal they didn't just randomly pick verses from all of these works like this is very deliberately uh arranged and dude that first time after that first town and all the money is collected and then they're like out in the woods because like, you don't know anything you just know it. you come in liam neeson sets up the thing you don't know what he's setting up and then the curtain's drawn and you're like what the fuck because he's just there in a chair no arms no legs just sitting in a chair and he just starts reciting the stuff. And then you go to like them in the woods and like Liam Neeson's feeding him and stuff. And you're like, Oh, okay. But as it's just like normal mundane things at first, but as it goes on, the longer it goes on, the more there's just this eerie sense that starts to set in. Like they just start getting unsettled, but you can't really figure out why. Abs Yeah, there is a definite sense of
0: dread. Yeah. as as this as this continues, and it's mostly from Harry Mellings' expressions yes. as he's reacting to to what. And Liam Neeson's is not recognizable in this. No, Liam Neeson is much. just so without without speaking very much is so disgusting and so despicable that it's hard to watch when he carries him to the brothel and he brings it? him. Into the room with him. And then turns. And as there, as he and he just all all he will do is walk over and then just he just faces Harry Melling away. And then they cut, and it's just like, oh my god, it's so heartbreaking. You buy any loving for your friend.
1: Just like, oh Jesus, all of this. It's I am so uncomfortable. It's
0: so uncomfortable, but so well done at the same time. You're just like, God damn, it's it's Ugh, it makes you want to take a shower. It's so
1: gross. But it's I also like... I have read and played and watched some pretty fucking dark things. But this one short... <laughs> probably because of how fast it has to pile it on. Maybe the darkest thing I've ever watched. I don't know. I think, also- I, I think there's stuff that if you just judge them on the whole that I have engaged with that is darker... But they had like two hours or it's a game that had 20 hours or something to flesh it out and let it seep in slowly. This is just bucket after bucket of dread and darkness because it's like a 10 or like, no, it's more like a 20 minute short or something. And you're just like, oh my God, it's just, you're on the roller coaster on that downward swing for the whole 20 minutes and you never pull up yeah
0: it's oh. fucking rough but, but it's you, can't so you can't turn away oh you can't turn away because it's so engaging and the performances are so fucking good and just the title meal ticket oh that title oh my god is so amazing and so dark and fucking hell man because as this it, goes on those, you realize
1: that that is literally their only relationship
0: uh when the, how matter-of-factly he feeds him oh i know and that's a, that's the thing too he doesn't... Liam Neeson doesn't even treat him like a pet. Uh-uh. He treats him like a thing. Yep. Because when people have pets, there's usually some emotion there. You know, like you think of the way that you talk to your dog or your cat. You know, like, you know, there is a genuine bond there. Liam Neeson just views him as a meal ticket. He doesn't even view him as a human being anymore because all he exists for is making money for Liam Neeson. He- and as soon as the money starts to dwindle because they start showing how... As Liam Neeson, you know, is walking from crowd to crowd. I think part of it is it's getting colder out. Right. So people don't want to like sit outside near their little stagecoach to watch the performance. And if there's less people, they make less money because their only income is him walking around with his hat. He's, he talks about the sob story about how he found him in London, you know, armless and likeless. And as soon as the money starts to dwindle.
1: And what he finds to replace him. Oh, my God. The thing I was going to point out before we move on real quick, though, is like as they're traveling and like, the scenes of them on the road, he's talking to the horse like all lovingly. Liam Neeson is. Yeah. But he never once even talks. Uh, God damn it. Uh Billy. Yes. I don't know why that name won't stick in my brain. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he never really once even talks to him or even really looks at him or acknowledges him. And he's talking to the horse like you would talk to your dog.
0: Man, this is hard to watch, dude.
2: It's it is so hard. Oh my god!
0: Just wait till you watch it a second time. Oh, oh, as no you, thanks. as <laughs> as you watch it a second, you'll, you'll I'll eventually make you watch it a second time, just to be a dick and just like, <laughs> dude, this the fucking dread Can you play will feel in review? your <laughs> the dread you feel in your fucking soul when you start this, knowing where it goes,
1: man. Oh, we're, we're, it's so good. I've got, I've got so good. things I want to talk about at the end of this one. Yes. Uh. So what he
0: replaces oh, Harry Melling with
2: yeah.
0: is <laughs> Liam Neeson is walking around town. Uh, it's right after they've had a failed performance where they haven't gotten any money. Liam Neeson is walking around this little town they're in and he sees a huge crowd pulling around in the middle of the street. So he walks up to investigate what the hell is going on and he finds a Chicken that can do math. People in the crowd will say, you know, like what's you know seven minus two, and the chicken goes up and pecks at the number. Liam Neeson immediately pulls out a huge stack of cash that he's apparently been hoarding. You know, while feeding yeah uh, Harry Melling barely anything, like a little bit of beans. Did you notice that? Yeah. Like he he was hiding this money. Mm -hmm. because he was feeding harry melling you know decently in the at the beginning when he was actually making money for him but as the showing started to make less and less income he fed him like a quarter can of a fucking can of beans yeah and that was it that was his dinner so leonison pulls out this fat fucking like a lot of money for western times you know it's
1: a I, lot of fucking money. I know. I know that that's not just a roll of one to the $20 bill on the outside. <laughs> 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 so he, he buys the arithmetic chicken, which is now the new name of this podcast. <laughs> arithmetic chicken? Arithmetic chicken? <laughs> yeah. That's probably my next Dark Souls character for no reason.
0: He buys the math chicken, takes him back to their little campground with Harry Melling doesn't feed Harry Melling and pulls open this huge sack of fucking feed for the chicken. Mm-hmm. And the look on Harry Melling's face as this is
1: happening makes your soul hurt, dude. And it, the camera stays there for uh, a lingers. long time.
0: Oh, uh, it makes you so uncomfortable and so, so sad. But you can't turn away, and then as it keeps on going.
1: Doesn't it cut from there to them on the road, and he's like riding next to the chicken in the cage, and he's just staring at the chicken? Yep, he's in the back of their little wagon thing,
0: just chilling next to the chicken.
1: Oh my god! Oh
0: god! They are going along this. What would you kind of call it? This like a ravine with a pretty high drop, or like yeah. a drawbridge kind of.
1: Yeah, yeah, probably a ravine. Yeah. And as
0: Harry Melling is staring out the back of the wagon, Liam Neeson stops the wagon, walks over to the bridge, looks over the bridge, looks uh, kind of is it is gauging the distance.
1: Well, first walks- he passes by it and then you see this thought come across his face. Mm-hmm. And then he holds up the, the wagon and he just gets down and just casually walks over to the edge of the ravine and you see him, Gauging the depth, and it keeps cutting back and forth to Harry Melling, watching this happen. And you see Neeson pick up this big ass rock, kind of heft it, and then he looks over the edge, and then he drops it, and you hear a, a splash eventually, and he just kind of nods to himself. And it's just like, oh my God. <laughs> Because
0: as this is happening, your brain is, doing the is math. telling you no. It's doing the arithmetic chicken. You're, you're, yeah, you're, your brain is doing the, the, the chicken math, and you're just like, no, that's not where this is going, right? It can't be. And as Liam Neeson walks back to Harry Melling, the, this impish
1: smile he gives him... Doesn't he even wave not, to him? I have a memory of him like waving hi to him it's, or something. It's,
0: it's haunting, because it's not... Insidious, it's He's like it's genuinely very happy. He he. There's there's a little bit of like happiness behind it, but it's not evil. At the same time, it's very it's weird. It, it, like I they, I feel like they probably had to do that take twenty times just to nail it because it's it's so specific. Yeah. And another thing we didn't talk about too that is another great element of Harry Mellings' performance is everything that Liam Neeson does. Harry Melling is drawn to attentively almost like a dog. Mm -hmm. He reacts to it almost like a dog. Like when he, he, you know, like sticks his head out of the wagon because he doesn't really have a personality. Yeah. Like literally the only communication that he ever has is reciting
1: these things for his audience. He's clearly got an intelligence because of the way he's doing his own mental chicken math through the whole thing. Um... I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't nail down if his character has like some sort of autism, or or something. As I said, there's an intelligence there. He's got all this knowledge in his head, but at the same time, he's he's a little off. Well, but he couldn't be anything other than
0: off. Yeah, because it's, he's just a stage prop, right? That's that. Like he's just the mule ticket. So I I think there's so much. Uh, there's so much, th- uh, so much thought behind this character, and how little they talk about him, and how little they describe him. That makes it makes it work even better. Uh, yeah. Just because, like you know, like there's a lot you can draw from a character that never says anything to anyone other than his, per- uh, other than the you know the performance of you know like uh, that he does in front of the audiences. It's fucking fascinating to think about uh, his character. Do you think that uh, and- the
1: implication with the way he he acts and the the lack of just Speaking at all and everything is just supposed to be he's been living like this with him for so long that he's just so bogged down he's just he's a prisoner he's just so beat uh, down yeah like he's 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 so trapped I I, I think he's just he's, he, you know, he just he gave knows up he, a long time ago he, yeah
0: he, he just he just gave up a long time ago which makes it even more sad you know because he's been doing this for so long and, and it's not like he can say no because what happens if he's if he tells Liam Neeson no you know The only reason he's living is because Liam Neeson is feeding in the little bit
1: that he is. Now, how much about the story about him finding him do you believe? That's another thing. You don't know. Because his character is so clearly
0: traumatized, uh, you don't know. He very well could have done
1: it to him. You you don't know. It's so perfect. For what Liam Neeson's got going on that he's got a guy that can't fight and can't run away. Like, is there yeah. a possibility that he's in the condition he's in due to Liam Neeson? A- Absolutely. And the fact that they
0: don't confirm that is They don't ingenious. deny it either. They, yeah, it's all there for your interpretation. And that is one of the best things about short stories is that it allows you to leave shit up to interpretation. You don't have to, you know, dot all the I's and cross all the T's. Because
1: it's like he Uh, found this guy that can do this thing because he's clearly experienced at what he's doing, reciting this stuff. He clearly, you know, it knows how, how to do it. He's got he's got experience with it. And it's almost like the inference is Liam Neeson saw a meal ticket and then punched it one, two, three, four times. You know? Man.
0: Like, it's... This, this short is genius to me, dude. Like, the more I think about it, the more I like it. Because just like we've been talking about, so much is left vague that it's just Jeff Catnip.
1: See, it's, and it's... I can't... so bleak. This one is so geniusly done. So well done and so well performed by everybody. Liam Neeson's incredible. Uh, Harry Melling is incredible. But... It's so goddamn bleak that I just I had to take first time as my favorite but this is probably the most well done of all the six and probably the best yeah, performed it, I think it's probably the best <sighs> written and best performed of all six but I I just couldn't pick it as my favorite one because I, I, it's yeah, just I, so you, I, I, heavy
0: I cannot blame you at all because it is hard to watch but it, good literally God, it well that's
1: a good way to say it because I literally found myself not wanting to watch this anymore as it unfolded.
0: You know what's also like really fucked up is most of the time that Liam Neeson even gives him a chance to speak is in front of the crowd. What if he was a victim and he, he could have been crawling like, like like you know, like trying to get help and no one would believe him because they would think it'd be part of the performance yep. of his little stagecoach.
1: There's so much for bleak all, for all we know that's happening. Like, I mean, we don't know. It, it, yeah, it, like, there's so much
0: left open that is so fucking smart, and and it's it, it just, like, the idea behind this and just them having the audacity to fucking commit the story. Like, this would be fucked up to read. They fucking commissioned this for their movie and hired goddamn Harry Mellon and Liam Neeson to do it. Like, there's I, a lot of audacity behind this story. It would uh, be
1: fucked up to read, but it's so well Acted, I think I almost prefer to read it because I don't think my brain could take it as dark as it did. You know what I mean? Because there's so good, but it's so awful. (laughs) Like, I just, dear God, Jeff, what did you do? Uh, uh, It's, yeah, grotesquely gorgeous. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't think Dark Souls. Or maybe even Yarno is like a happy-go-lucky place compared to Meal Ticket.
0: Compared to Meal Ticket, yeah. So they... Just, I'm just thinking of that 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 little grin that Liam Neeson has as he's walking up it to him. It sends they, a they, shiver down your spine. It really does. Uh, he walks up to the stagecoach. Because even the they chicken just knows away. what's about to happen.
1: Everybody knows what's about <laughs> to happen. He can do the math. He can do the math. <laughs> he saw it before anyone.
0: They, they cut away after Liam Neeson walks up to the stagecoach to a very, very quiet and still shot of the ravine where the stagecoach has left it, and then they cut to Liam Neeson driving away with only the chicken, and then that's the way the story ends. Now, you can there's a little bit more, if you, if you pause it there and you read it, they have a little bit more into the act that they show of, of him dropping him off the bridge, which is interesting, but also well done because they don't give away, like, too much detail because like what works for writing isn't necessarily what is the best presentation for cinema. So the cuts they do work really well for cinema, but if you want to get like a little bit more detail on what happened, you can also read that last page and a half that I recommend people to do.
1: These are so Any fleshed other? out and so dense. I almost feel like if they, I almost feel like somewhere maybe on the Cohen's like own bookshelf, that book exists. I almost you can feel buy like, the
0: screenplay but I, I don't know if the novel bits are included as part of the screenplay I, but if they I are almost, I would totally fucking buy that I
1: almost feel like they would have had to have novelized it on their own and then worked out from there to do what they probably because it's probably. just so dense and fleshed out in every one of these
0: mm. yeah uh, any other final thoughts on meal ticket uh, the, the wonderfully good
1: time <laughs> oh my god there ain't, the, <laughs> you can, there ain't you no whimsical songs recover, here. Bro. Yeah, I okay, could, I can this I happens, could use a Buster Scruggs right now, Jeff.
0: This happens forty-five fucking-ish minutes after you watch Buster Scruggs kill Clancy Brown via table, and you laughed your ass off. Like, the tone in this fucking anthology
1: is all over the well, place. Here's the thing, too: if you zoom out. The very first one, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, it's as dark as the rest of them. But because the tone that they set with that opening shot, and with how just fucking off-the-wall, goofy Buster himself is... I mean, his name is Buster! It, yeah, it Buster immediately, what a great fucking name. immediately invokes um, fucking Babs and Buster from Tiny Toons to me, you know? Like, yeah. it's just... The tone of that one is so different even though it's basically dark just like the rest of them.
0: There is a fucking awesome little tidbit in the novelization at the end of the Buster Scruggs segment too where uh it, it, they cut perspective to the kid, you know, that takes out Buster Scruggs. Yeah. And then they they end the novelization of it on that last page by talking about how there's a kid who's a farmhand, you know, practicing with the gun, you know, maybe one day have a tale of meeting up with you know like the kid of you know like mm-hmm. where they kind of they foretell how the buster scruggs kid scenario you know will just continue happening because you can only stay top dog for so long it's very cool and very well written so go check that out yeah absolutely pause and read all the novelizations read as much as you can i'm going to do some more researching i would love to read whatever amounts of novelization they have for those because there's a lot of interesting stuff i think you can are you uh, talking about up. a
1: screenplay rewind book report uh maybe is our book club for movies going to become a book club jeff
0: a book club for books (laughs) our
1: book club for movies and become a movie book club a movie club for books
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah let's talk about the next one uh i probably don't have as much to talk about all gold canyon i don't
1: dislike this
0: one but this is probably my least favorite
1: i agree Uh, it's again it's super dark it Fits in with the rest of them just fine. It's a fine story. It's just imminently forgettable, which is interesting. It's not and, poorly and, done um, or anything.
0: Uh, yeah. It, uh, it's well this done. was actually I believe this was one of the this one and the gal who got rattled were actually both based off of prior stories. Uh-huh. Um, that were that were published in a kind of uh a a weekly kind of pulp fictiony western. Uh, piece uh, that was ongoing for a long time. I forget the name of it, but it talks about it on the Wikipedia page. Uh, This was actually, I believe, a Jack London story, uh, a Jack London short story, which makes sense in the kind of tone of it. But I think that's why uh, this one doesn't really stand out as much because it is established material and it doesn't have that very, very specific either zaniness or just like unadulterated Coen brothers of... Uh, flavor to it i guess
1: this one's a little bit more but it's run bad. of the mill but it's not
2: yeah, it's, it's not bad it's not
1: bad and like i said it's it's, perfectly it's put together well the story's good it's well acted especially something that happens near the end of it but it's just yeah. it's just not as it's just not as interesting um yeah and yeah it i don't know like i said i like it, the performance I, by tom waits i, I like his
0: performance i literally
1: it. forgot that this one was in here until i looked at my notes so,
0: yeah, you know. because like, especially what hurts it is it follows up Meal Ticket. Yes. Which maybe is intentional. Maybe they're giving you time to, to fucking absorb what just happened. <laughs> they're giving you time to complete the chicken arithmetic in your brain of what you just watched happen to the poor Dudley, dude.
1: As you I switch gears to, just hold on, Mr. Pocket. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a Mr. Pocket. You just wait. Uh, Tom,
0: Tom Waits plays a, a prospector who is uh in this this beautiful beautiful area i don't know exactly if they ever say like where he's at but it's a beautiful uh region where he finds this stream that he's by the way can you imagine a more fucking boring and miserable job than digging for gold it just sounds and looks awful to me and but I hate being about 99 so pretty...
1: percent of those people failed and uh yeah 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 and died of the element or died poor you know <laughs> there was there was no
0: gold and then their hills pretty much Indeed, uh, Tom Waits spends the majority of the short trying to locate the pocket of, uh, you know, like the big, big pocket of gold because he's going up and down the stream, counting the little flecks, uh, you know, trying to find where, it, you know, is a, a deeper and richer mine. Eventually finds it as he is, you know, it takes him several days as they just kind of start showing his little uh, little mounds, you know, where he's been going around just trying to trying to locate it. He eventually locates it at the exact second that he finds out uh, a, a young, uh, uh, what would you say, is like kind of like 20-ish, maybe like late teens, early 20s, has been kind of scoping him out, waiting for him to locate the pocket, and then plans to kill him and then take the find. Yes. He shoots him in the back uh, in, in a moment that, you know, you're just like, fuck, man. You
1: shot me in the back. <laughs>
0: And again, this is another just the juxtaposition of where the tone goes. As soon as he gets shot in the back, this being a follow up to meal ticket, I thought he was fucking dead. I thought that was the story. You know, I, 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 was thought, like, God, that's... I thought that
1: was it, too. That's what I was going to talk yeah. about, because the way that they linger on that character and I'm trying just like all the other characters he... um, oh, Tom, It's man. played by Tom Waits. Uh, yeah, it's played
0: by uh, Tom Waits as a prospector. Sam Dillon as the young man. As the young and they're man. the only two
1: characters outside of, uh, like, it's literally just them. So the way it lingers on the young man, just sitting on the edge of the hole, he takes his time rolling a cigarette. and It's so quiet. He lights it That's up. the thing that gets me. And he's just laying there watching him bleed out. and he's just, he's just sitting there waiting and waiting. And then finally he puts the cigarette out, puts it back in his pocket. And jumps down. And as soon as he does, (laughs) Tom Waits just leaps at him. Full fucking Voorhees mode, man. Yes. And and the entire time he's just yelling, Yeah, shot me in the back, you son of a bitch. You shot me in the back. Oh, my God.
2: It's pretty awesome. Because he
1: totally think he's dead. Yeah. And, you know, he's waiting to see if he's dead. Because he knows full well that he may not be
0: It's also the the, the way that they linger on watching the blood slowly seep across his white clothing on his back is also very good.
1: How dark is the act of him sitting there staring at him, rolling a cigarette casually and all that stuff? That's experience is what that is. Mm -hmm. That means that he's been jumped like this before thinking someone was dead and survived it. So he's sitting there waiting like, okay... If he wasn't dead, he should be by now. I mean, he's bled out. It's been this long. I smoked nearly all. And whole he's an cigarette. old man. He's an old man. Yeah. Been out here for days, working himself to death. And yeah, that that to me that speaks of experience is the implication that yeah. this is what he did. He's he's the patches, if you will. Of <laughs> take a drink. <laughs> I'm just trying to work as many as I can in.
0: Uh, R.I.P. Bobby's liver.
1: (laughs) But yeah, it's just, oh my God. And then that fight they get into. And because of the way this whole movie has gone, for the first three stories, I don't know which way this fight is going to go.
0: That's another thing, too, that I love that you made that point, is because of how much audacity they have with either making this shit bleak, like with meal ticket or making it fucking weird with Buster Scruggs. You're on the edge of your seat because you literally don't know what the fuck they're going to do. And it's awesome for that to me, because I was just like, I don't know what I'm fucking in for for these next few shorts. You know, you're just like, God damn.
1: Were you waiting to see if there was someone that was stalking the the young kid? That was gonna kill him. I was waiting for a third person to show up. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I could see that. I I honestly thought
0: it was just going to end with him walking. Uh, the young. I thought it was going to end with the young man putting the gold on his donkey and then just walking away. And I thought that was gonna be the way that it ended.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: That was the only chicken math I was able to <sighs> compile as I was still. <laughs> really from what happened to Dudley Uh dude and but yeah it's good uh I I think they might linger a little bit too long on him trying to find the pocket but they're trying to make you they're trying to make you care and I think Tom Waits did it was like a really good job of making the prospector kind of likable despite having no one to talk to having not really like he literally only talks to the fucking gold pocket you know I so I think I think Tom Waits does like a pretty good job. It's just I think they're
1: uh, trying to let you catch your breath, is what they're trying to let you do. They know Mill Ticket was heavy. Near Algadanes wasn't exactly light hearted um so i think they're trying to let you catch your breath i would have almost done that by starting with this one and putting buster scruggs probably after a meal ticket just to be as jarring as i possibly could (laughs) could you imagine like oh my god the fucking whiplash i would have of that my neck (laughs) you broke my neck you son of a bitch yeah oh my god could you imagine opening with this one you'd be like okay what's what's going on here But you also have to be... You have to be
0: tactical with... You have to be tactical with the way you do anthologies, though. Yeah. Because, like, the thing with Buster Shrugs is, you know, it's so fucking batshit, it grips your fucking attention. It grips it a lot more than this would, because this would almost kind of, like, lull you into a false sense of security for a bit, of thinking it's just kind of down-to-earth when it's not. Like, this is one of the most down-to-earth, if not the most down-to-earth ones they have. You know, there's nothing really crazy about it Uh, the fact that he fucking lives is pretty crazy if he does live in the end right Uh, I mean we don't actually know he's gonna surely die of infection because it's 1864 and he got shot through the fucking side I kept uh, kept
1: waiting for the trope of he's gonna take like a red hot poker and cauterize it you know yeah I kept waiting for him to do that but he is they did make the point that the bullet went clean through which is a very good thing because that reduces a lot of the infection and the poisoning that comes from that from a gunshot wound because if the bullet stays in it usually festers not to mention it's made out of lead on top of it on top of but everything but shit else. It, it,
0: in the 1860s you could fucking die of a broken toe yeah. <laughs> like he's he's dead yeah but uh i also think it's another like good bit of acting from Tom Waits of how he's almost willing it to be so because mm-hmm. he doesn't he doesn't necessarily know because what he keeps repeating is it didn't hit anything important you know it hit right. nothing important you don't know that mr yeah. prospector mr you know prospector. gold but you don't know fucking chicken math you don't know like uh the science behind what you just got shot you know you get shot the fucking back in 1860s you're fucking dead but yeah it's neither here nor there i like how we're discussing the science of this after buster scruggs happened uh uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> But again, it's just the tone that it's going for.
1: Uh, Did you have any other thoughts on *All Gold Candy* before we move on? Uh, no. But when we when we move on, I do want to grind the podcast to a halt because I just noticed something on the IMDb. Okay. I have a new uh, I have a new goal in life. Okay. I would like to, if I only do one thing in Hollywood, if I'm only ever in one movie, I want to be credited as the chicken impresario. <laughs> you gotta need to rename your twitch
0: channel your PUBG character all of it paul you be chicken ray. you be chicken impresario and i'll be pan shot in all caps and like 17 exclamation points uh
1: dude, paul ray was the chicken impresario in mill ticket god that That's a name. That is a a
0: magical combination of words, my friend. That is a good fucking I literally
1: just... I have IMDb on the right side of my screen and my notes on the left, and I just looked up and my eyes just locked on it in the middle of us talking about all Gold Canyon.
0: I'm going to screenshot that and potentially make it the the background image for the Twitter, but that would require removing the fucking Willy's Wonderland image of Nick Cage having a plunger on the gorilla.
1: And I don't think I can bring myself to do that. Is plunger on the gorilla a euphemism? Uh, moving on. <laughs> um, You got to give me an 8 by 8 starring the chicken impresario, dude. I'm on the motherfucker. <laughs> I'm, I, see, that's the thing, too. Meal ticket is so fucking good. That we're still talking so about it in all
0: gold Canyon. F- and so fucking dark. I feel like a hack.
1: <laughs> oh, no. There
0: is... Nothing I could come up with is ever as good as that. It's like, God damn it. Come brothers. Why you gotta, why you got be so like, you don't get to make meal ticket and the big fucking Lebowski. Come on, man. You're just being selfish. Now leave, leave some creativity to the rest of mankind. You assholes. Jeff, I,
1: I, how many times I got to talk you down from your horse, man. You're not James Franco. Okay. It's, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I, I will. I, I, if I need to come along and try shooting the rope again, I, I will.
0: Stop moving so much Stop moving so much (laughs) Oh god So
1: many memes So many memes
0: We Uh, we need to play PUBG immediately So all this can become ingrained We need to start
1: using the all chat more We need to start yelling pan shot as loud as we can Pan shot And if we get killed from behind You shot me in the back You goddamn (laughs) son of a bitch Someone out there is going to have watched this
0: movie It is going to get a kick out of that Oh my god
1: I uh I'm pretty sure at this point, if my wife is awake at all for any reason, that she's probably convinced I've developed Tourette's with how much I've been yelling. That,
0: <laughs> Pancha,
1: <laughs> first time. <laughs> oh, god! Oh, I, god, love so I love this movie so many memes.
0: I love this. movie and how fucking gloriously memefied it can be. <laughs> All right, next up, we're going to be talking about the penultimate story, The Gal Who Got Rattled. This was the other one that was based off of a previously established work, but from what I read uh, from an article,
1: very, very loosely based. What was your overall thoughts on this one before we dig in?
0: Before we dig in, I really, really like it. I, I, I don't like it as much as Meal Ticket, or uh near agadone's but i i like it a lot uh it's also the longest one which is worth it. this is actually like a 45 this is more <laughs> this this is this is more like a novella whereas yeah. the other ones are short stories
1: yeah to me this one this one didn't really really do anything for me i i, I could see i could totally see that i get uh, before we dig into it i just want to say i get now that i've i've seen it i know how it ends i get what they were doing i get what they were going for i just don't think the payoff was worth it after going through like 45 minutes of this. It just felt like yeah. it just kept rolling and just wouldn't come to a stop. I think, uh, if there's, okay. So the overall runtime of this movie was right is about,
0: hours, is about two hours and 15 minutes. Okay. Uh, now I don't know how much of that, I don't, I don't remember how it like it's into their credit sequences, but you know, it's a little right. over two hours and I think it probably would have been better suited cutting down a little bit of the gal who got rattled and a little bit of the beginning of all gold Canyon. I think if you could get this down to like an hour and 50 ish minutes, I I think it would be a little bit uh, better paced. I don't hate this part. Uh, the reason it's longer is they're trying to establish a romance between uh, the two leads of this segment. I did not buy into at all. Uh, it's it's tough. I, I actually like the performances.
1: I, like I the just performances, think it's but it's a little bit underwritten. But the the characters and I don't know, with the lack of chemistry and stuff, it just seemed really forced and you know it we'll, we'll get into it when we get into it, but it was basically just a business arrangement more than anything is what it felt like. I don't know. But I it, think
0: I, I I think I think the performances do heavy lifting to actually kind of because because it's realistic in a sense that it would be awkward for them yeah and i think i think they convey that appropriately because you know i, I like the fact that they don't fall in movie plot love you know or two people meet each other within five minutes they're madly in love like right. it can be awkward especially because of their arrangement and i think they actually do uh like in some of the scenes later where they have uh the, okay, so the the basic rundown of this segment is it's uh the gal who got rattled. Uh Bill Heck plays Billy Knapp, who's uh I don't even know like what their exact like position is called, but they essentially kind of like steer uh wagon trails uh and they're they're going to uh what is it, like Oregon? Uh somewhere up. I, in I the think they're li-
1: I think they literally say that they're on the Oregon Trail. And I was like, Oh, so yeah. everybody dies of dysentery. Got dysentery. it. <laughs> Got yeah. it. I already know where this is going. <laughs> uh yeah.
0: He's uh helping to lead the the caravan, essentially, uh, with uh Zoe Kazan K- K- Kazan, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. I-, I I actually uh like her a lot. Did you ever see The Big Sick? No. Probably have not. Mm-mm. She's she's very good in that. Uh that's the the uh Nan- Nanjiani movie that got it's like a romantic comedy that got a decent amount of acclaim a few years ago. Uh it's one of the movies that kind of made kumail like nanjiani more of a he's not just a funny guy off silicon valley is actually an actor uh it's he's she's good in that an actor. so I, I, I like her just in general but again uh the most of the characters in this segment are underwritten because i think it does oversay it's welcome a little bit too much i think it would have been better suited by being shorter yeah i i've got
1: but... nothing against the actors i thought they all did really well. I could not stand her character. I think she was fine. The actress was fine. I think it is just the character. Like, I just did not care for her. And, like, they do this, um, you could almost cut it into a montage because it's like, it cuts to the caravan moving and then cuts to night when they're parked. And then um, she approaches Bill Heck because there's another problem. And then they're moving. Now they're parked and there's another problem and they're moving and they're parked and now there's another problem. And it's just like, they would hate her by the time they got where they were fucking going. Because every night she's having to approach them about her barking dog or whatever.
0: Yeah, but I, they also leg- legitimately feel bad because her like, her brother just died in the middle of the thing. And she's all by herself. But so she, like, you would
1: feel sympathy for her. But she doesn't really see And like, okay, the brother. I feel like there's some weird implications with the brother, but I may also be paranoid after meal ticket. (laughs) So, because I I feel like this movie... See, I think part of my problem is every one of these stories so far has had some kind of weird take or twist or implication, and this one is just fairly straightforward, and I kept waiting for it. I kept waiting for when... You know, for know, the, the, ter- the turn for the turn when it was going to drop and then it ended. And I was like, oh, all right. See, see,
0: that's that's the thing is the reason you're feeling this after this story and all Gold Canyon is because they're not Coen Brothers stories. Mm-hmm. So like, I almost feel like this would have been better suited had they not Co-winded had the girl who got rattled <laughs> or all Gold Canyon and just spent more time developing stories because I I am more interested in Coen Brothers original Western tales than I am established adaptations from them because mm-hmm. these are perfectly fine they're incredibly well shot all the performances are either you know like good to great you know no one's bad in this movie it's a fucking coen brothers movie they don't work with bad actors it's right. not uh uh i actually probably liked uh bill heck the most out of this segment uh he's he, he's uh playing billy knapp i actually think he'd be very good john marston if okay, they ever got so around to i
1: doing red dead i wrote down in my notes john marston but i'm looking at his imdb and i'm like i think he could do that or arthur morgan he looks more like arthur morgan but i could take him as either one
0: now the thing with arthur morgan is it's it's fan casting uh cliche by now but i think arthur morgan has to be josh brolin by this point i i I as as soon as that was as soon as that was stated online and i read that i was like yep that's the one I think you have now that
1: you said that, I almost feel like he's modeled off of Josh Brolin. A little bit, right? Because the yeah. way the the actor they have portraying his voice, the way they animate his movements, and the way he looks when he's like shaving and stuff. Not that anyone ever yep. shaved him. <laughs> he always has these <laughs> crazy fucking like Peter Griffin beards with birds living yeah. in <laughs> Um But yeah, um yeah, he would be he would Billy Heck Bill Billy. Bill Heck would be a great uh John Marston.
0: Because I actually really like his performance in that. (laughs) Yeah, I I really like his performance in this. And why I think it would translate wonderfully to Marston is how he is a realistic character in the way that John Marston kind of is. Because John Marston is not your prototypical like Clint Eastwood Western badass. You know, like I like the fact that Bill Heck seems kind of down to earth. I like the bit how he, he tried to put down the dog and couldn't because he's just a bad shot. You know, right. he's he, he plays this very down to earth Western cowboy that is relatable in a way that makes John Marston, you know, the same way than how, you know, John Marston was a fuck up, you know, yeah. and it makes him relatable and it makes him likable. He's not a super God. You know, he's not a Buster Scruggs. He's not this insanely competent gunslinger. He's just a dude living in that time. And I think he looks uh, like Marston. I, I, if they ever do anything with Red Dead in live action, cast this guy. Also, really quickly, while I was looking at his IMDb earlier, he is starring or co-starring, I don't know, like the extent of his role, in an upcoming show on FX. I believe it's called The Old Man. Yes. He is playing the younger version of Jeff Bridges' character within the same show. Ooh. And that is awesome casting and as soon as i saw that i was like i don't know what this is about i'm fucking watching <laughs> it because that is excellent casting uh i think if you just like look at them yeah compared to yeah i i could totally see it i really like the uh the characterization of uh mr arthur i think it's pretty interesting in how they have conversations about how uh bill heck you know he doesn't want to end up like mr arthur because mr arthur just is kind of like a hollow shell of himself because he's just never settled down right but as soon as they get into a combat situation it kind of like snaps him back and he's like a person again i actually like that element i think the most interesting character here actually ends up being mr arthur funny enough uh because when you just think of how he, he fucking says almost as little words as dudley did i know in conversation but as soon as he's there you know trying to save uh what is her name? Uh, Alice at the end. See, you we know, talked about he's... Red Dead so
1: much. I just kept going Abigail, and I'm like, that's not right. that's, that's <laughs> not right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I I like his uh just how he kind of
0: snaps out of it uh, once he gets because he's and it's it's very sad too. Like what happens at the end. Uh, you know, like when uh the ending of this that we should establish. You know, just since we're doing like little, little minor recaps of everything is at the end of the uh at the end of the story. Uh she has gone to find uh the dog uh that ran away after. And that's another thing. Like, could you imagine like what Billy Knapp will feel that if he'd only been able to put down the dog, you know, she probably survives. Because the reason she's off on her own is because she heard the dog. It's, you know, very very heartbreaking thinking about like what can lead to, you know, like uh like the the novelization and images we talked about earlier that they show in the interstitials between the the stories is uh, they say it's a shot of Mr. Arthur walking back to uh, Billy Knapp. And, you know, and the, the caption is, you know, Mr. Arthur, you know, didn't know what to say uh, to, to Billy Knapp or whatever.
1: Which, you know, it's just very... I was going to say, which for good. a guy that... Uh, it's an interesting choice of words for a guy that basically has said nothing until the Up fight until with then. the war party. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to be honest, since this one didn't really do anything for me, I didn't put a whole lot of thought into it. I didn't even put together that the dog is what gets her killed. And they made mm-hmm. a point of the dog barking from the beginning. that's why they were going to put down the dog, which pissed me off. Dogs bark, yo. I'm sorry. I don't care if the neighbors have noise complaints. It's my dog. Um, But, yeah, so I didn't even put that together. And if I recall... That final shot, he returns to the caravan with the dog. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The dog is running around his legs as he's walking towards the caravan.
1: Yeah. And you see, um, yeah. you know, John Marston walking towards him uh, in the and distance. That's, that's
0: actually a very interesting thing about this story to they me. They shift is the, the fact protagonist
1: almost. They shift the
0: protagonist. Yeah. Billy Knapp doesn't even play a part in the third act of, you know, like the quote unquote third act of the story. Yeah. And I think that's kind of cool because he's presented as the main character outside of Alice. You know, he's, he's presented as the co-lead, you know, it'd be like uh, you know, the co-lead just disappears. From the third act. So like it's on the surface, very run of the mill compared to, like compared to like some of the other shit we've talked about, but there are interesting, like I can see what they were going for. Like you said earlier, right? like, I Like I agree. I just think it's, I think uh, what, let it down was a little bit of underwritten characterization of the two leads, and just how long that it goes on for. If they
1: had just cut out like even five minutes of the Oregon Trail, what was even the point? Goodbye. Why didn't we just start there? What was even the point of the house that they started in in the beginning? Just to show how much of a cock her brother was, I think, and and how the only
0: family she ever had. Oh, we didn't even really talk about it. the 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 reason that the the ending happens the way that it does is uh mr arthur is uh they they get uh swarmed by uh this huge huge group of native americans who are going to attack their their caravan uh and they're not exactly there to to attack the caravan they're there to attack alice because she gets separated from the group they have conversations but i think it was billy knapp or uh mr arthur and her throughout the story about you know they won't attack the caravan, but you have to be careful, you know, don't go alone, you know, mm-hmm. foreshadowing it. They go there, they they get caught off on their own. Uh, Mr. Arthur has to defend her uh, and he's, he, he's he's a completely fucking bad. Like, he is the gunslinger. That's it's interesting too, is like, he's fucking awesome. Yeah. He saves the day, but she ends up killing herself because he, he gives her a gun with two bullets and he says, if I get overrun, one of those bullets, I'm gonna, you know, kill you with and I'm gonna off myself, but if I can't get back to you and it looks like, you know, you're gonna get taken, don't allow it to happen. He looks like he's been killed by one of the last guys attacking and because he gets hit upside the head, but he was only like, you just briefly, you know, Dude, uh, knocked thing. out. Yeah. And uh, he saves the day and he, when he walks over, he finds her and she's, she's gone through with it. She's she's killed herself unnecessarily. And he now has to go and, you know, talk to Billy Knapp about, you know, what he's going to do because they had just, just days prior, if not like the night before, she had agreed to to marry Billy to be able to pay off the debt that her brother had owed their uh their, their helping hand and, and, and like along the trail, uh, actually like actually moving a lot of their supplies and stuff back and forth. So there there's there's a lot of subtext to it. I just think it's underwritten. And I, I also just think it kind of gets a bit of a bad rap in comparison to how fucking genius something like Meal Ticket is. You know, it's do you remember when we talked about Southbound and there was a story about the guy trying to find his sister? And it's like in a nutshell, it's not bad. It's just bad by yeah, association. On its own, it's that's, not that's, bad. Yeah, it's kind of like this. I don't think it's bad. I just think it 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 kind of sticks out like a sore thumb because it's very run of the mill compared to some of the more crazy shit or just interesting shit that happens. Yeah,
1: I that. um, I don't know. You're, I'm I'm not nearly as uh, as warm on on this one. I don't even think on its own. I just even really care that much. I I just didn't really buy into any of the motivations or anything. The only thing I cared about was the fight at the end. Like when with the payoff, you know, when you find out that she shot herself, I was like, "Oh, all right. Well, I guess that happened." Like I didn't even care because the character already was annoying me to begin with, and then she's like. I don't know when he finds her like she seems like she's just lost her mind like she's not even the same person and she can't even stop laughing because the dog is barking at some Indiana Jones gophers. <laughs> like I don't like I don't know the, yeah, every, every, it's a, every, it, the whole thing is just odd you know It's
0: a, yeah the it parts of it are a little weird uh, I I think uh, I I think I did like it more and
1: there's all this stuff with this... like the the person that her brother hired and how much money he's owed and like they they drive all of these points home that they so hard they they hammer them in so hard, and none of it matters like you know it's if if they weren't pushing everything every little event so hard, if they had cut some of this down from the forty five minutes into the same twenty thirty minutes that like meal ticket or any of the other ones are. I just feel like it would have helped it tremendously, but I don't know. I just, I just kept waiting for it to do what it was going to do. And then when it finally did, I was like, no, yeah, okay. I I definitely liked
0: it more the second time watching it. I think I uh, just kind and of,
1: sometimes that helps. I will admit sometimes that helps
0: be, because I, because when you're watching it a second time and you know where it's going, you kind of like realize what is more relevant. Mm-hmm. And you're not waiting, you know, like uh, for the turn of some of the other stories. And again, I think part of the problem is, too, is this would have been better off being original stories because it would be more, more fun yeah. or or more meal ticket. <laughs> oh, you no. Know? Uh, and you know who, who knows? And, and they're also, you know, trying to adapt something. And that can be difficult, too, because they're, they're trying to add some of their own flavor to it while also adapting it i don't uh, i've heard it's a loose adaptation so i don't know what exactly was taken and what was removed mm-hmm. um i i definitely liked it more than you but i totally understand you know it not being as engaging as you know, like some of the other stuff we talked about you know it's it's just not it's just not yeah, it's weird i didn't it's, it's trying to tell a different kind of story yeah it's, it's trying
1: to tell a different kind of story and i think that's maybe part of it because it stands apart from the others in the movie um but i just i don't know it's not that i hate it at the same time, I just didn't care. You know? Yeah. Which,
0: it's the dark, which I it's think the Dark we have Souls 2 of <laughs> Ballad of Buster Scruggs.
1: I think we have you in recording at some point saying that the worst thing anything can do is be mediocre because you don't even care enough to hate it. Like, that's just kind of where I am with it. It's just, okay. Yeah.
0: Totally, totally fair. Totally you fair. I, I cannot fault you for that. I also just, as I'm watching this, imagining Bill Heck as John Marson, <laughs> it's like, give me that <laughs> fucking HBO show of Red Dead with it my like, man hell even uh the guy playing Mr Arthur wouldn't be a bad Dutch either if you think the way that he kind oh, of no. talks with uh-huh. well, the way he talks kind of like frantically towards the end as he's you know prepping to fight off the swarm yeah the way he's just kind of like uh what what's like the uh he's just kind of all over the place the way he talks to her gave me kind of like Dutch vibes too you know like how Dutch would have these like very very I gotta play oddball him. yeah oddball quirks with the way he would communicate with everyone it just kind of made me think of that so yeah just like everyone in here control c (laughs) red dead hbo show control v and then we're talking let's talk about the the final segment oh uh my god (laughs) the mortal remains this is uh ending on i i think
1: i think i think just for the technical points this thing scores it is one of the top of the six, if not the top, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, to me, this one ran hand in hand with Meal Ticket. I like Meal Ticket better, but I like this one a lot. This one is
0: fascinating when you really break it down and think about it. This uh, mor-
1: the mortal like you the mortal the, remains. Meal Ticket is is your kind of thing, but I love shit like this. Yeah, like, it's, I, I it's give me an also, entire yeah. movie of these characters, dude. Especially the two main. <laughs> I love them so much. <laughs> The, like the Englishman and the Irishman. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I love them. Yeah, they're amazing. So much, they're amazing. And we got to talk about the Englishman when we get into this, dude. Because holy, oh yeah, fuck We're John Joe and Neil or whatever.
0: It. He's incredible, Oh, dude. He is so fucking charismatic in this this segment. Okay, so uh, it's called the Mortal Remains. This is our last uh, in six vignette. This opens up with how many passengers is it? Is it
1: five? Five? Well, yeah, two. <laughs> six. The, one's you, on
0: the roof and seven with the the coachman yeah uh, the other gas coin who never yeah dude
1: that's one of my notes his <laughs> outfit is fucking gas coin when to a t when they look out the window and it has that camera shot from their angle uh, it's at an upward angle where everything's kind of tilted and you see the scarf and the hat and everything's blowing yes. behind him where he's almost like like, he's a Ghost Rider character or something. Holy fuck. And he's, like, whipping at the horse man. and stuff. And I was like, Father Gascoin!" <laughs> and then at the end, when he just casually walks by the camera, I'm like, no, that's fucking Father Gascoigne. His it's hands Father are wrapped God up and, and everything. Yeah. It- the dude's a fucking werewolf. <laughs> and he doesn't like music boxes very much. <laughs> this story, it's five passengers
0: in a stagecoach. For the most part, just talking. And and it's it's like gripping at the same time. It's 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 so This is pure like <laughs> uh so our our actors in here, just real quickly. Uh Brendan Gleason plays the Irishman. Fucking love me so Brendan Gleason, no matter what he does. Love him and everything. John Joe O'Neill stealing the show as the Englishman. He is his fellow bounty oh my hunter. God. Uh Saul Rubinek, who's you know, a uh, character actor everyone's seen in a million things as uh, the Frenchman. Uh, Tyne Daly plays the lady. She, another famous character actress. She's been in a million things. And Chelsea Ross playing the Trapper.
1: Who is unrecognizable.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because he's in this giant fucking Trapper beard. He's talking like a crazy Red Dead 2 NPC. <laughs> like, <laughs> like when you find uh, out in the uh, middle of
1: the desert or something. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're on the stage coach. They're very, very int- and intentionally vague about where they're going. Everyone talks in, in in these very like weird, almost clashing monologues. This this feels like a stage play to me. The way that they talk to each other uh, and just it, it feels like something that. you'd yeah. you'd see on like a, a it's a one set essentially you know story outside of the you know the very end could totally be a play. Could totally be a fucking play they fucking wrote and then adapted into this, you know, because it's very, very, uh, very, very low key in, you know, just the, there's really no action. You know, it's just conversation and, and the, it's it's almost like Tarantino in a way and
1: how like the action is the conversation. Well, there is action, but it's theater of the mind is what it is. Because yep. everyone paints a picture, all five of them do when they talk. Um, yeah, it's th- the this one has a fucking turn because when you find out that the Englishman and the Irishman are fucking bounty hunters and they start talking about it, like, like you or I would talk about like working at the theater or something when we were working at a movie theater together, like it, it's just like, what the fuck. And yeah. In that moment, that's when the camera angles change. That's when the Englishman goes back and forth between some sort of like Lovecraftian protagonist. Like it's very strange in all the best ways. Yeah. And I, I, just again, watch this. Wow. just indifference to everything that is happening.
0: And he's just so gleeful at the same time. It's it's creepy. So gleeful. Uh,
1: yeah. I see what you did there. Yeah, it was terrible. Uh, um, yeah, it,
0: what 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 they are mostly talking about here is just these very Tarantino esque kind of just conversations filled with you know like, clashing ideology, like the, the stuff where the Frenchman is talking about Tyne Daly's husband about how you know like his definition of love wait, dude, might be very different. from His yours.
1: monologue about the definition of love is the most French monologue I have ever heard <laughs> in my life yeah uh, through high school Fr- i took french one two and three and you you know when you take a class you don't just study the language you study the culture and everything and um you you read stuff that comes from the culture and you watch stuff that comes from the culture and you study their history and it's just like that is the most french thing i have ever heard in my life as he was talking, absolutely yeah it was amazing yeah, and his had, delivery we, we really, was amazing on everything.
0: Yeah, the the performances in this are fantastic. Uh, I, I really like the extended monologue that the trapper almost puts them all to sleep with. That's very funny. <laughs> he just and, doesn't stop fucking talking. And I just for like love a how every time
1: he chimes in, it's just like he just grinds everything to a halt. Yeah, you
0: know what this reminds me of? This segment almost reminds me of Clue. They're yeah. they're just very matter of fact and awkward exchanges of dialogue, while also like. Not being awkward is very Clue. Uh, I, I just thought that.
1: of that. I can see that.
0: Uh, in, in a way that I love, because I love Clue, and it's like the way that they they speak back and forth is is fascinating. And uh, just I, I, and we really can't do this one justice. You just have to to listen to them because they're it's very specific in the way that they're talking. And the but the the one the the most iconic monologue from it you referred to is the, the Englishman talking about how. He and Brendan Gleeson are both bounty hunters and how John Joe O'Neill, the Englishman, his favorite thing is watching their eyes as they're trying to make sense of things as they're killing them. Negotiate it is the negotiate is so good. It's, it's so good. Uh. And what's really, really interesting too is the, uh, so they eventually get to the end of the, the coach ride. They, they exit to a, a little hotel type building. And Brendan Gleeson and John Joe O'Neill get out and they take their their, you know, their prize with them. You know, let the bounty hunter body that they, you know, they you know, strap to the top of the fucking wagon the entire ride. They start carrying it up the stairs into a blinding white light. So it adds and, and there's also very, very weird changes to the weather around them. And there's a lot of uh symbology behind the coachman not stopping almost like uh so there's there's a read on this well where you think the Englishman and the Irishman are you know Fucking just talking H. 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 about <laughs> did they, Well, they're all dead. Even everyone's dead. That's true. Because there's a read on this, and one of the, the hints towards this is how the uh, the lady is talking about her husband
1: so wait does that mean father does that mean he's not Gascoin, but he's charon he yeah it's almost like a river sticks type yeah, situation charon i believe is kind of portrayed a little bit like that the way he's dressed. because
0: when because and uh, there are many hints to this uh so uh and the, the, my read of it is everyone's dead including the bounty hunters and what's interesting is it adds dramatic irony to what the Englishman is talking about how his most favorite thing is looking into their eyes as they're trying to make sense of things. But the thing is they're both dead and they haven't really come to grips with what they're doing either because they don't realize yet that they're dead. And another hint to it is one of the strongest hints to this is how uh, the lady consistently is correcting herself on present tense and past tense of her husband she consistently corrects herself to saying he was, and she is saying she is going to meet him as in he's dead. And, you know, she's, you know, she's passing on and it's almost funny in how the bounty hunters are constantly talking about how like, you know, they're, they're so gleeful and, you know, like they're, they're not panicked because, well, they're even, they're even more out of the, uh, out of their element than because the Frenchman, uh, the uh, the trapper and, and the lady are all kind of panicky as they're approaching the hotel. And they have like a sense about them. They're, they're, they're kind of like, they're they're disturbed by the situation in a way that the bounty hunters are not. So the people who are most, even despite the way they're talking, that are most out of the know are the bounty hunters. Because well, they're literally, uh, they're literally taking a body up the stairs into a blinding white light, almost like they're,
1: you know, it's like heaven.
0: Yeah, it's there's a lot of symbology here that they don't
1: talk about. There's something in between, which would be why it's a hotel. Um, yeah. So, but don't they specifically refer to themselves as reapers, and then they're corrected as bounty hunters by one of the other? Uh, people Th- that's the that's the that's the thing.
0: Uh, you don't really know Just because that, they, they consider themselves a reaper of souls. That's they they say they're like a bounty hunter. They consider themselves like a reaper of souls. So you don't know are they in on it? Are they not in on it? And just well, don't I'm pretty know? sure the
1: Englishman literally refers to themselves as Reapers. So that is very uh, ironic if he's just a bounty hunter that's dead and hasn't figured it out. Um,
0: See that's the thing. That's the thing. There's there's a lot of because it's it's intentionally vague. You don't
1: know. And his story when he talks about like he likes to you know he enjoys the expression in their eyes as they negotiate the passage, try to make sense of it. That's what the three of them across from him are doing with all of this going on in the carriage. Mm. They have that same look on their face the entire time. um, Exactly what he was talking about. Uh, Yeah, it's. I don't know. There's also the uh, what's the symbology? Because I I wrote this down also, and I hadn't I hadn't considered the uh, that they're dead aspect. So, but the symbology with the uh, the coachman does not get any luggage down. Nobody has any luggage, and when he drives off, all the luggage is still strapped to the top. The only thing that comes down is the His mortal body. remains. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So to my read of this hey, is they are all... De- didn't they? Uh, the coachman get paid? Don't we see that happen in the background? Someone in the hotel pays the coachman as if he's literally Charon on the river Styx? Uh, it's possible. I can't remember. I
0: would have to fact I check it. I feel like but- he's
1: like counting coins as he walks past the camera back to the coach.
0: Yeah. So, so my read of this is they're definitely... Uh, the lady, the Frenchman, and the trapper are all definitely dead. And they're they're you know they're passing on but they don't really know it yet. But the thing that's interesting to me is trying to figure out if the Irishman and the Englishman are Grim Reapers, or if they're also if it's like a bait and switch almost you know like a misdirect if if they're also dead and they just happen to be bounty hunters because they talk about how uh, the Englishman talks about how. He is kind of the distraction, while Brendan Gleeson as the Irishman is the thumper. Yeah, he That's what you always refers to him as. You wouldn't really, if they're Grim Reapers, like that. And that almost entails more like real life violence. You know what I mean? Like not like a Grim Reaper, like passing them on. Almost more like they're literally bounty hunters, and it's just like a misdirect. Like they're bounty hunters that were dead, and this whole conversation about how like you're led to believe it's them talking to them and kind of winking at the audience about how like uh you know the the three on the other side you know like they just haven't come to grips with it yet, but I think they also haven't come to grips with it yet, and I think it's a misdirect, but it's interesting that you don't know
1: well, I mean that plays into his speech, right, because the audience is also trying to make sense of it, yeah, so you know it's it's very intentional um. Yeah, they. Um, I don't know. The version that I kind of like is that they're Grim Reapers, because if you think about like the way they describe one is the distraction and one is the thumper. I mean, if you're just staring at your phone and step in the middle of traffic, I mean, was your phone not the distraction and the car that kills you is the thumper? I mean,
0: oh yeah, it's, it's more abstract yeah. almost. So that, yeah yeah I could see I could see that yeah see that's another thing, this and meal ticket are the best because all of the shit we're talking about is correct is, is, is interpretation. <laughs> yeah. And all of it could be wrong. All of it could be bullshit. All like of it Dark could Souls. be absolutely on the money. You don't know. So what was your, so if you hadn't thought of it as they're dead, what was your initial read on this without uh, that that angle?
1: Well, I, I didn't know. I was excited to talk about this with you because you tend to, um, dig into stuff a little bit easier than I do being, you know, a writer and all. I, I, my brain doesn't work that way. So mm-hmm. it, usually I need a few more breadcrumbs than what this was giving me. The only thing that I was getting was it's got such a Lovecraftian vibe, but there's nothing Lovecraftian happening, you know? Or um or like an Edgar Allan Poe type vibe to it, but there's nothing Poe like happening either. It I I don't know. It's very it's very interesting. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just yeah, don't know. It's fast. And, and like go watch it again. It's even better watching it again.
0: I'm sure. Be, uh, be, because this this is probably the best one. Uh it, like I I I fucking liked it a lot the first time I watched it. But uh, watching it a second time and paying attention to what could be directing towards the idea that they're all dead, uh, another thing that hints towards them being grim reapers is the fact that the Englishman knows the coachman never stops. Yes. And that's even the tagline on the painting, uh, as they're leading in to the story, is you know like they say uh, they say you know, like no matter what the coachman wouldn't stop along those lines. I'm paraphrasing it, but right. it's a line about the coachman not stopping. So that is very important, or they wouldn't have the tagline about it. So yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, definitely go watch it again with the angle of at least the three they're talking to are all dead, and it becomes even more fucking fascinating. Uh, because you just don't fucking know, and it's it's just an awesome story. It's a like this is this idea and this this uh, story, the mortal remains, is why I love
1: short stories so much. I just feel it's like it's just I, I can't an tell. abstract idea. Yeah, I can't tell if the Englishman is just kind of a prick that's dead and doesn't know it, or if, like because the way he talks, it's like he's in on a secret that no one else is. And then our thumper friend is just so indifferent about everything. He's just staring out the window most of the time. And it's just like, I don't know, the way the Englishman talks, it's just like he's in on something. You know what I mean? Like he knows something that he's just not telling everyone else. And like you said, he knows the uh, that the, he, yeah. the coachman won't stop. And he's like toying with them. It's like a cat that caught a mouse, you uh, he, know? Yeah
0: and that's the thing too is that could also in its own right be part of a misdirect yeah because if the person you know like you know they're they're so confident in them you know like them you know ostensibly knowing it everything that that type of personality would also be very easily distracted in their own right and not because you know they're so they're overly like uh, it's like a achilles heel type of thing like they're they're so overly confident that they that they think they know but they 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 just don't you know they're they they think they know more than they actually do and i don't know i need to go watch it again actually, because i still don't fucking know i've watched it twice and i still just don't really know what i think about it but i know my interpretation at least three of them are dead and it's a passage because like that like why else would they be having them carry the body up to a blinding white light up the staircase you know that that's uh because it, it's just so like overtly over the top uh, uh yeah that's just my interpretation of it though i'm sure I, this would be an interesting one that should go look up like reddit threads about mm-hmm. i would like to see people's like YouTuber very series. very like yeah i would like to see people's interpretation of the story because then you carry it ways that you know like that we're not even like we've presented a lot of ideas but it's so abstract there's a lot more you can draw from this And all of it could be right and all of it could be wrong because it's none of it's confirmed. And it's just it's just that it's a concept more than like a story, which makes it interesting and incredibly interesting to revisit. So, like, I would I would definitely like to go watch this again and watch some more. Uh, Like you said, either YouTube essays or just read up on it, kind of see people's uh, takes on it because it's very interesting. I think meal ticket is still my favorite. But The Mortal Remains is really close. The Mortal Remains is very close. Um. So after after talking about all of them, is
1: Near Algodonia still your favorite one? It's still my favorite or- one, but I will admit that it's probably third best. Um, okay. But it's still my favorite one just because I like the tone. I like I like Root. <laughs> I like fucking Franco. Like, I like everything that happens in that, and I still feel like it's... I feel like it's just as dark almost as everything besides Mill Ticket, but it's it's got a lighter tone to it, and I Uh, almost I almost feel like Mill Ticket was the third one, right? And it was the second one. I almost feel like realistically, I was joking with the other ones earlier about putting Buster Scruggs. I almost feel like Mill Ticket should have been second, and this one should have been third to lighten it up a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it you know or. Or move those both down. Put them in that order, but move them both down. Um, but the, I bet they also internally debated a lot about the order of this. I bet the Cohen brothers
0: spent weeks discussing. And I bet they're still not happy this. with it yeah, such I was about to say. I, I I bet they would watch it now on Netflix and be like, "Why didn't we fucking arrange it this way?" Yeah. And they'd be like, "You're fucking right. That was the right." Because you know, there's a million different combinations you can go with this. Yeah, and uh,
1: man. I would say though, I think. Meal Ticket is probably the best written and the performances in this movie across the board are phenomenal. But when you combine that with just the gravity of what's going on in Meal Ticket along with the way it's written and the way it's shot and the way it's portrayed and the subtext, Meal Ticket, I think, just has to be the best one of the bunch. Uh this one uh Mortal Remains just because of the intrigue and the mystery and th- it's the type of shit that I love. I mean it's it it's like the most bloodborne one without the bloodborne. Yeah. It's even got gascoin in it. The, the the the
0: only thing I dislike about the Mortal Remains is I'm fucking pissed at myself for not writing at first. Right? Because this feels like something I would write, and the fact that I didn't, they beat me too. I'm like, you fuckers. I hate you. Yeah, the only, <laughs> but I also love you, because this is amazing.
1: The only thing that I can't figure out is, if that's the case, the body has to represent something. The body they're toting around. See, here's the thing, too. Is uh, I was thinking about that uh, while watching this a second time, too.
0: I think the reason the body unless he's literally is the body see they could be fucking with them or the reason the body is a body is because the body uh the person who is the body actually f- knows what's happening and came to grips with it and they they're they're passing on ostensibly to heaven because they're going up in the blinding white light okay the people who in ent- the people who enter the hotel are the people who are confused and don't quite know what's happening they're entering kind of like a purgatory state because they don't know yet. Right. So it's more of like an. They haven't come to terms with the state their own of death yet. They haven't come to terms with their own death, so they're entering the hotel instead of entering heaven or you know like the other place. That, that You know, the bounty <laughs> the hunters, place. if they are grim reapers, they have a bad place. Yeah, yeah, they have
1: to. So yeah, again, that would make sense. Fucking love that sense, story, dude. I guess probably be the more accurate way to say it. Yeah. Um. Abso- absolutely love that
0: story. I think I love talk. I love talking about it too. Oh, uh, just I just like. Rumbling off interpretations is always fun for vague uh, concepts like that to me
1: the uh, the mortal remains, I think just for technical points alone because it's literally just five strangers in the on a car ride on a car trip to you don't know where on a single road, you know southbound, if you will, on an unnamed highway
2: mm-hmm. and
1: yeah. they it, it's just conversation. It's like Kevin Smith got really depressed and <laughs> just had like the saddest clerks you've ever seen. <laughs> the sad clerk, yeah, sad clerks. Oh man, and yeah, it—it's just a conversation, but it's mm-hmm. the one that dug its hooks into me the most. I mean, the theming helps. I mean, you know, like I said, the theming helps, but it dug yeah. its hooks into me the most because it's just like. What is happening? Who are these characters? Why is what well, there's gas coin also, and yeah, I just yeah, uh, yeah. it was so. What well, maybe actually picked this movie is was us Remains? having watched was us having watched
0: Southbound and our conversations about like the different interpretations of stuff and the way that this ends with Mortal Remains, because Mortal Remains is pure Jeff and Ron catnip, mm-hmm. like to a T. We could have had an entire additional podcast of us just discussing like uh, extrapolations from Mortal Remains. Uh, it's just awesome. So, overall, did you end up? Because uh, here's the thing, too. Another reason I like the Ballad of Buster Shrugs overall is a lot of anthologies, you're lucky if like one of them is really good and another story is like kind of good. I think this has, you know, it has a couple low points, but. I think it has a lot of high points for an anthology. I think there's a lot of good stuff in here uh, across multiple stories and not just you know like one highlight like a lot of anthologies
1: are. It, just in an effort to make sure that Bobby is good and dead at this point, you made a reference to Dark Souls 2 earlier. And I think that is what the low points are in this. You and I have said many yeah. times that several video game companies wish that their best game Was as good as Dark Souls 2, when it is almost unanimously considered to be the weakest of the Souls series, because it's still a great game. It's just, you know, compared to Dark Souls 1 or the the gameplay of Dark Souls 3, it's just not as good by comparison. It's still a great game. And, There's a difference between being bad and being bad by association. Exactly, and and, uh,
0: and, and that's what, and, and then that's just like a... the
1: the weak points that we've talked about. Like I said, even the one I didn't like was that the gr- the girl the girl that got rattled, like uh huh. I mean, it's it's still shot well, It still acted well. You know, my problem the shootout was cool. My, my problem the shootout is, at the end is cool. Yeah, the action's good, it's choreographed well. The the my problems are just the writing and the pacing, but mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. It's just yeah to me, and hmm. um, the uh, I already forgot the name of the prospector one. Uh, all Gold Canyon, All Gold Canyon. Um, it's good on its own. I just feel like it's a weird fit for all the other theming happening in the uh, in the movie. But it's still good, and it's acted well, it's shot well, it's written well, all that stuff. So even the the low points of this. They're only low because it's got Meal Ticket and Mortal Remains and Buster Scruggs. And that's the (laughs) only reason it's low. Buster Scruggs.
0: Pan shot. (laughs)
1: Buster Buster Scruggs is only in my list of the good ones because of how fucking weird and ballsy it is. It has the balls to be so weird.
0: The Clancy Brown thing. The Clancy Brown thing.
1: And that makes
0: it one of mankind's great. It's like penicillin. And Clancy Brown shot in this. And it's like those are the two greatest gifts the mankind has ever given to themselves.
1: And, and wow, what that's got to be the most Clancy Brown thing I've ever seen. That I think about it, because <laughs> that man loves doing himself some weird shit sometimes. You know, like sometimes yeah. he's, uh, sometimes I feel like he's he's paying the mortgage, not saying that and like he's bad in what he's in. He's never bad in anything, but. Some of the stuff he picks is just kind of run of the mill, like when he was the general in the Flash. That's just wanting the Flash, or shit like this. Like he's only got those two speeds, high and low. I think he just
0: likes to work too. I think I, yeah. I, I, he's kind of like, uh, I think he's kind of like uh, Gary Oldman. Yeah, in that way where he just genuinely likes acting, and he'll say yes to just about everything, but he'll give it his all every time, and mm-hmm. you gotta love him for it. So I think that's going to be a wrap on uh, any other. I think it has to be a
1: wrap at this point. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I mean, I knew this was going to be a long show, but it's been fun as fuck. And at the end of the day, I don't give a shit. It was fun to talk about. It was. I could go on for another thirty minutes and just fucking moral remains, dude. I'm going to watch a fucking YouTube video. Stop recording. Yeah, pretty much. I'm going to watch a YouTube essay of somebody making like a really, really like awesome interpretation of that. I'll be like,
1: if you find a, if you find a good one, send it to me.
0: Okay. uh, Yeah. Absolutely. Because I'm going to find someone. Who has like a like a like a near perfect interpretation of it of like an angle I didn't think about, and it's gonna make me like this movie even more that it has all this potential uh, of just like layering up all
1: these ideas, all these concepts. Uh, I feel like they- the the piece of evidence, or at least some of the strongest evidence, I think is the coachman himself, because I am almost coachman positive himself. that he's like the first one into the hotel. And then as they're getting out of the hotel doing whatever, he passes by the camera, and the camera's fixed on the Englishman and the Irishman when it happens, dragging the body. But he literally passes in the bottom left corner of the screen in front of the camera, and I'm pretty sure he's like counting coins like you would be paying Caron to ferry you down the river. Uh huh. I, I literally feel like they have. The, they don't show him. He's looking at something in his hand. He's holding something. He's messing with it in his other hand. And I feel like you hear like a jingling sound effect, like coins or something metallic, like he's going through a coin purse or counting the coins that are in his hand because he just ferried these people down here to their hotel pag- purgatory. Yeah, their hotel California, uh, where you check in, and you uh, don't
0: check out. Exactly, uh, and. They, and I, if we didn't talk about it specifically, they never show his face. Never. He's always just a shadowy figure. Mm-hmm. Fuck, I love that story so much. It's so good.
1: Now I'm just imagining yeah. Bill Murray leaning forward in an elevator trying to see Death's face under the hood. <laughs> I assume you've seen Scrooge. Have you seen Scrooge?
0: I think I watched it when I was very young, where I have definitely seen it, but I don't remember a whole lot
1: of it. So I, might, I, I have need to watch it that. i put that on the list for our Christmas picks, I think. Uh, yes, yeah,
0: so really, uh, in a second, I'm going to let Ron uh, reveal what the next movie is going to be. But just real quickly, if you want to follow us uh, on social media, we are on Twitter at SPR Filmcast. Follow us there for show updates. As we alluded to earlier, uh, we are branching out to have opening q a segments with uh listeners at the beginning of the show uh just email us any prompts about you know like film tv whatever we'll talk about just about anything as you uh, can tell podcast yeah we'll talk about anything for a long time if you put us in front of microphones uh, and that's again email us screenplay rewind at gmail.com ron what is the next film for screenplay rewind?
1: Well, as we discussed uh, before we turn the microphones on, Jeff, our next uh, picture going into the Halloween month. My favorite time of the year. Mm -hmm. This is a movie that I introduced Jeff to, so it is one you've already seen, Jeff, but it's one I want to talk about. And I was so happy you enjoyed it as much as I did when I showed it to you because I literally watched it like the following weekend I showed it to you is um, I was so excited about it. It's a Netflix original, so it's on Netflix. At least I believe it's a Netflix original. It's definitely on Netflix. Um, but I want to talk about The Ritual next time. Yes. So good. good. So good. Fucking choice, my dude. That's another one. It's so good
0: has a scene up there with the Clancy Brown suicide <laughs> from Ballad of Buster Shrugs. and Rod knows exactly what scene I'm talking about, because it is a masterpiece. Oh, yes, it <laughs>
1: is. Oh, it's <laughs> so good. Yeah.
0: Great fucking choice. I really, really like that movie. So yeah, be sure to watch that on Netflix. Uh, I believe it is an original there where they probably didn't you know, produce it, but they definitely like acquired yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think they, they bought it,
1: probably. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's got too much production value. <laughs> <laughs> fucking oh. netflix greenlit <laughs> <laughs> oh south park oh god
0: Is south park references another like spr bingo slash uh
1: drinking game thing we make a
0: lot of south park i, rep- I mean how many times did we say james cameron, uh, james cameron.
1: <laughs> last time i don't know how we're ever gonna get through uh fucking terminator when we start that franchise oh man <laughs> it's just going yeah. we're just going to be playing that song on loop for an hour and that's the entire podcast. <laughs> Might just edit it into with the a, background as we're doing the review with an occasional do 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 do. <laughs> uh, James Cameron. I want to pay someone to do a James Cameron South Park song remix set to the do do doo doo doo. I want it all meshed together. Yeah. What was the other thing that we we were wanting
0: someone to do? Early. There was something we wanted someone with talent to commission. I remember making a joke about earlier, but I don't remember what the thing was, but it's it's lost to eternity. Yeah, it's, 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 it's gone. It's,
1: it's lost in the Hotel California. Uh, if only we had yeah. recorded it and put it somewhere. I
0: mean, I'm, I'm not going to listen to this. I'm going to edit
1: it, but I'm not going to listen to it. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> I edit my audio visually.
0: <laughs> like the pros. If I did it correctly, it was like I did nothing at all. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, there you There's go. I think that's gonna be for bingo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, thanks for listening. Have a good night.